found a weird cassette tape at the thrift store. Blank case, just a label sticker on the front. It said, see you in hell. Just a dollar, you know, why not? Took it home, dusted off the old cassette player, and gave it a whirl. First, I didn't really understand what I was hearing. It sounded like an explosion, then the fake silence of an analog hiss, and then the noise again. Is it a drumbeat? And another boom. No. I realized what I was hearing was footsteps. Big, big footsteps. I felt a cold lattice of dread jet through my chest. I don't know why, but I got the feeling I was listening to something very, very bad. So I shut the tape off, left it on the table, and headed outside to take a walk. It was warm. Outside, cloyingly warm and humid. It was like a jungle taking root on my street. I started to take quick steps down the sidewalk, trying to shake out the panic that I, I still didn't understand. While I was waiting at the crosswalk, I tilted my head back to drink in the blue sky. No. What, what was... What was... No, 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 no. What I, what I saw didn't make sense. And it was gone by the time I realized it didn't. How could something so big move so quickly? How could a grizzled, scarred, black shape duck behind a building like a shadow gliding across the wall? Those eyes. Those teeth. Home. I had to go home. I wanted to go home. Monster Crazy! <laughs> well, 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 look who it is. Uh, wandering back into the tavern. The podcast what? app tavern. Yeah, look at us. We're wandering back into the tavern. Dimly lit it is in here. And yeah. what's that? A portal? And also, what's that? A giant reptilian foot outside yeah. the window? <laughs> but mystery is to be solved by Cameron and Kai. Yeah. Um, welcome to See You in Hell, the final arc, the final five episodes of Monster Crazy. If you haven't heard it yet, you're hearing it now. It's ending. It's going to be over. And today is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. We've, we've cornered Monster Crazy. We've been chasing it down for 50 episodes, and we have it. It's back is, is to a wall, and we're going to kill this thing. We're going to kill it yeah. with, a, with a, a cannon that I carry over it's my shoulder. It's time to slay the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, five more episodes. Today's episode, uh, if you haven't guessed by the title or the beautiful roadmap we released, will be today's episode 51, and we are covering Godzilla with a wonderful guest, Pierce Campion, who you'll hear in a minute. Um, and there are four more episodes remaining after that. Do you want to go back and forth about them? Sure. So Godzilla. Episode, yeah, episode 51 is Godzilla. <laughs> and then? We have the, the audience choice episode. And at the end of the episode, we'll explain how you vote on that. But we want you guys to, to tell us what, what a, a monster we cover for that. Yeah, if you can make it to the end of the episode. And then and episode then? <laughs> episode 53 is Chimps. 
which is short for chimpanzees, which are yep. an animal. Yep. And but also kind of a monster. And then after that we're doing ghosts. <laughs> oh my god, you're scaring me. Stop. Stop. Yeah. You're scaring me. And then uh, after that And then episode fifty five, the last one is called The End. Huh? Because yeah, it's dot it, dot dot question mark, which is mm-hmm. how you say dot 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 question mark as you go the yeah. end. Huh? huh? Yeah. Huh? Maybe we shrug a little, maybe your eyebrows raise, who knows? Yeah. Um, but we're pretty excited. You know, we we put a lot of effort into this episode. We're going to put a lot of effort into the other four. Um, and, you know, it it's it's going to end, but we're going to end it in a way that we have always wanted to do the episodes yeah. as. So pretty happy and excited about this. Bittersweet and also scary and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And horrifying and, and slimy. Yep, and scaly and spiky and whatever. Who knows? Who cares? Mm. Whatever. Yeah, I don't give a shit. But yeah, yeah, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Pierce Campion. Hello. Um, a guest that we knew we had to get when we inevitably did this episode. I'm um, so happy to talk about the G-Man. Yeah, number one Godzilla guy. Very, very exciting. Um, and honestly, yeah, I think it's pretty much impossible to figure out where to start with this um, in any way. I mean, obviously, I guess the, the, uh, the first thing to talk about is just what is... What or who is Godzilla in in the terms of... Or for somebody who had never even heard of Godzilla before, if you can imagine such a thing in today's modern world. Yeah. How would you, how would you describe it, Kai? I mean, baseline... We're talking dinosaur-like. Yeah. Bas- basically just a, a dinosaur that's really big. I, I'm, I'm offering kind of an outsider's view on, on this episode. Um but yeah, a dinosaur that's really big. He shoots lasers out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Even that uh, is yeah, contentious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He sh- okay. He- How about this? He shoots beams out of his mouth. Yeah. I yeah. still. I still that's feel t- as though <laughs> he's still getting into hot water. Here. <laughs> in in some instances, he can shoot something out of his mouth. Yes. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, something is the perfect he- word. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I would say. I take issue with shoot sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes it's leak, secrete, uh, breathe, even simply breathe, it's okay. simply expirating, burp. At times, some iterations of a Godzilla can produce something out of its Wait, mouth. Stop there. <laughs> Godzilla's can't. It's not produce- always out of the mouth either. Yeah, as well as other parts, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And um, also, the, I think the plates—the plates are a very like the the Stegosaurus-like plates. Yeah, yeah. seem totally. to be f- common. I think I that is. I think that's the iconic feature of the design. I think that's. I think that is what you 
you look at something and you know you're looking at Godzilla instead of somebody drawing a T-Rex. Right. I would say yeah. I agree with dinosaur angle. I feel like th- there's uh, the anachronistic take on the on the bipedal dinosaur I think is super critical. Like the, the cinematic portrayal of bipedal dinosaurs for a long time was... Uh, upright spine yeah um which you guys must have talked about that at some point that like i haven't gotten to that yet. that was one of the things i was very excited to talk about today even yeah but it also makes sense that a paleontologist would unearth a dinosaur for example like a t-rex and think oh two legs it must have been exactly like us it must have been toes on the ground head in the sky yeah and then walking around with a tail dragging uselessly behind it yeah and then the spines i guess yeah that's just a way to sort of uh come up with a chimera figure like a a sleep paralysis confluence of all dinosaur traits yeah well what i read online i did i did i mean i didn't do very much research for this because kind of my entire life has been researched for this Mm -hmm. in a way um but what i did learn that i didn't know is they specifically did put the dorsal plates onto godzilla so that he wouldn't look like a t-rex right they were like he needs to look this can't be like another dinosaur this needs to be something that is new and special yeah which is funny that it's also something that's on a different dinosaur but exactly yeah and also i think that the, the spines are probably the only prehistoric uh, trait that is that w- used to be kind of ubiquitous in the dinosaur in the prehistoric world that like we don't really see plates yeah. anymore. Yeah. Also, Godzilla's big. He's huge. <laughs> he's really yeah, big. and also he's proportioned to like um, hold that weight in a way that makes sense visually. Like he's got real tree trunky legs and like proportionally small head to the really large body. Like. When you look at a picture of Godzilla, you know that he's not just like dinosaur big. You know he's like yeah, Titan. Totally. You know? Yeah, I think also too the what what comes into play there is I do think that another defining piece of a Godzilla design that you look at and you think this is Godzilla is that it looks like there could be a human inside it occupying that space because right. he was for so long just only a, a suitmation monster. Yeah. Um, that I think that, that you see that in a lot of modern Godzilla designs and obviously not in some, but I feel like that has to be a consideration when people are like designing a new CGI Godzilla as I feel like they still try to fit the human form in there a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of the only thing that the 1998 Godzilla has as its as its standout feature is that you probably couldn't fit a, yeah. a human being in there. You could fit a comic book character in there yeah you could fit like roadrunner yeah you could fit the the flash or something but not a guy (laughs) yeah the flash isn't a guy i've never seen i just looked up the 1998 godzilla and i have never even seen an image of this before that's crazy i did he looks just like like a t-rex from hell kind of totally he's like a t-rex with he's like an iguana in in the opening sequence of that movie they never specifically say that he was an irradiated iguana but they just show a ton of iguanas and then a nuclear blast, and you yeah. just kind of oh. have to put that together. He's very, like, I feel like he's, he's like, xenomorph-inflected in the way that everything in the 90s was. Yeah, I guess uh, that's the other thing about Godzilla that is the number one thing, is the nuclear stuff. Although, mm-hmm. it's not the kind of thing that you're going to be able to show to an uncontacted tribe and have them guess that uh, yeah. nuclear... Although, I guess one of the very first ideas for Godzilla's design is that his head was going to be a mushroom cloud. Yeah. Uh, which I'm oh, glad. that could have been crazy looking. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad they didn't go with that because um, the, uh, he probably would have only had two movies, and then they would have been really weird looking. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. would have looked stupid, but it, it also could have been cool. Just maybe not for him. You know, we, we need a separate one for that. Yeah, exactly. A different guy. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, which I mean, was also actually another visual element that I feel like fell by the wayside after even maybe even just the first movie. But I mean, they kind of did it in Shit Godzilla. Shit Godzilla. Shit Godzilla. Oh my <laughs> no, god. No, 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 no. no. What? Um, uh, which is that he was supposed to have uh, scarred skin from from being because. Yeah, so basically it's almost it's basically completely impossible to talk about this at all without getting ahead of ourselves, so I'm going to completely ditch caring about that mm-hmm. and just go for it, which is yeah, so he was in the first, in the original movie he is awakened by a nuclear bomb. He's not mm-hmm. created by one. He's a uh, some kind of fucked up prehistoric creature that was sleeping under the ocean that was awakened by nuclear testing and um the bomb also like scarred him and his his skin in that movie is very and and a lot of the subsequent movies is like knobbly and weird. It doesn't. It's not scaly. It's pretty asymmetric. It yeah. It just yeah. looks. It looks as though the handmade uh, craftsmanship that went into creating the rubber suit is itself built into the sort of diegetic nature of his yeah, character. Yeah, and it's supposed to be. It's it's modeled off of. Uh, radiation scarring on people from hiroshima and nagasaki that i don't think i knew but that makes a lot of sense yeah so that that mm. is like that what that's what his skin is supposed to be and then as it goes on i feel like it turns into kind of yeah just like a weird idiosyncratic funny skin that you don't see on any other movie reptile yeah you know also j- just with the original godzilla design i i also think when you say, said the thing about the um you know mimicking you know nuclear burn victim skin outside of the fact that he's clearly just you know it is a guy in a suit but even some of the features that are sculpted into the design are kind of man-like like is his he kind of has a nose right yeah like his nostrils are like you know he has he has kind of like a mammalian face almost yeah, I agree. It's a, it's like canid or feline. It's not, it's uh, not really reptilian. Yeah. There's some kind of fusiform face factor that's that has yeah, to be yeah. built in, and the eyes are always forward facing. They're never on the side. Yeah, um, I love that they they give him the the they like consciously give him the weird fucked up like Simpsons head on perspective disease where yeah. like it looks cool from the side but looks fucked up and weird from the front totally and they totally do that on purpose and it, especially in the first movie it lo- he looks crazy when you see him from the front yeah he looks scared yeah. i guess his eyes are kind of on the side in the first movie but they they, they kind of simpsons flanderize him they just make yeah. him more turn, and more close up ready yeah they turn does him it, into it, a cat too does he kind of have ears in the first one, he yeah. has ears, and then I don't think they've ever made an appearance since the first movie. He also originally, in early designs, had, like, floppy ears. He had, like, big, oh, long dog, ears. Oh, like, bass and yeah, ears. Yeah, That's yeah. crazy. Isn't that insane? There's so many... It could have gone wrong in I know, so they, many they ways. They could have fucked up so mm. bad. <laughs> I, tr- I really think that ears could have ruined it. Yeah. yeah. There's, it's, we've already described a few ways. Like, the mushroom head is, like, a much more drastic way to have ruined him. Yeah. We've already described some ways that he could have been ruined already. They also wanted to make him ape-like they wanted to make him more human yeah you can see you can see the ape-like in the first in the first iteration yeah for sure yeah i think there's something about uh the i mean what can you say about a t-rex's arms other than that they look completely wrong they look like a, a, a creature that is threatening is supposed to somehow be able to maul and gore you with its arms like even a komodo dragon which like is all steel head yeah. still needs its arms to be able to hold down its prey in some way yeah. or another. But if you can imagine an animal that is all tank in the head and the arms are literally just getting in the way of the weight distribution, 
you couldn't fit human like what what would I guess King Ghidorah is an example of uh, Godzilla's enemy who has no arms and there's just a guy in the suit there who's putting the arms at his side. I guess you could theorize about a Godzilla suit also where they have T Rex arms and the suit actor has his arms like close yeah. to his chest, which is kind of Shin Godzilla a little bit. If right. they had gone through with the animatronic, yeah, it's a little bit like that. But yeah, I agree that like th- there's something. So this is I think where the the big sort of a. Uh, fantasy and ideology of what the uh, first movie obviously is like an anti i guess it's an anti-technology movie it's yeah. b- basically an anti-society uh yeah. position that godzilla holds he's kind of like ted kaczynski like uh i guess it, the fantasy is that yeah a titan will knock things over will punish like, us yeah but the the specific way in which he does it normally like the desire is to knock things over with his arms and his legs you know what i mean like yeah the way a child throws a tantrum like he only whips out the fire breath which is the pure nuclear analog like once in a while the main thing he likes to do is this sort of drunken ape-like tantrum yeah yeah and it's, it's also cool because that's that's what i would want to do right exactly. <laughs> i were to rampage as as a kaiju i would want to be bashing down trains with my arms and stuff yeah. right yeah you need he needs to be able to do he needs to be we need to be able to live vicariously yeah. through the uh the that tantrum and i think it also brings it to the forefront as like he is he's a lot more than a lot of other kaiju he's pained he's very he's he's like he's punish he's punishing mankind for their transgressions but he's also he is personally he's not like a vengeful god where he's like i've see i see what you're doing down there and i'm coming to fuck you up he like directly suffered as like he was slumbering peacefully he gets woken up and scarred and fucked up yeah and then they keep fucking with him and they keep throwing bombs at him and stuff and then I guess eventually he acquiesces like in the first series after after Godzilla versus Mothra Godzilla is positioned as uh not a, not vengeful at all just uh, just the president of Tokyo just yeah. the, the, the peacekeeper <laughs> the person who uh yeah like or I guess yeah. the figurehead that that is designed and whose duty is to uh get all the vengeance and all the cruelty out of the monster ecosystem. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Before we go too further into, into the future of it, let's, I want to go all the way back. I want to go to the beginning. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about what, why Godzilla is vengeful and what inspired, um, the first movie in the first place. Um, which I feel like most people know that it, it is obviously anti nuclear bomb movie, uh, that is commenting a lot on the, nuclear bombs that America dropped on Japan. But I feel like uh, fewer people know uh, that, well, first of all, it's pretty heavily inspired by the movie Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, mm-hmm. which came out, I think, uh, two years before Godzilla or, or something like that. Yeah, late and 40s also, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it was also also inspired by King Kong, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also inspired more, more than... It obviously was inspired by the bombs at Hir- Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but even more than that it was directly inspired by this um the fishing incident yeah the fishing incident this this fishing boat uh lucky dragon number five which um basically the u.s was doing secret 
nuclear tests in uh, Bikini Atoll um, in the Pacific Islands, I think. Uh, and this was in, in 1954. This was March 1st, 1954 that this happened. So Godzilla came out literally the same year. Like, this happened. They got they to wrote, work. They wrote a movie about it. They fucking went to work. Like, they don't do anymore nowadays. They don't go to yeah. work that fast anymore. No. Because <laughs> these damn unions. Right. Um, <laughs> and there was this test called the Castle Bravo test, uh, where basically they blew up a nuke um, on this island, they, which also they forced a ton of people who lived like this was not like an abandoned island. There are like people who lived here, Micronesian people who lived there that they just like made go live on a nearby island that was also not far enough away for them to be okay right. from any of the fallout. It was like really horrible. Um, and this bomb that they detonated in this Castle Bravo test was more than twice the expected yield. Um, it was a humongous, most powerful nuclear weapon ever detonated by the U.S. Humongous explosion. Uh, it spread unexpected fallout over an area over 100 miles long. So everyone who was evacuated to be safe from this was affected by this. And it also just threw out fallout um, over a bunch of other nearby islands and just over out over the ocean, too. Um, a lot of people weren't evacuated for as long as three days after this test happened. So people were just living in radioactive dust um, on these islands. Uh, there was... Uh, 0.8 inches of snow-like irradiatum, irradiated calcium debris and ash all over the entire island of this atoll. People were getting like radiation poisoning. The calcium like, is what from the from the actual like reef structure of the atoll. I think it's sand, it's like irradiated sand and ash that okay. like falls down and Crazy. forms a layer. Yeah, basically. I guess it's just, it's just stars. Yeah, yeah, it's just just fucked up shit. Uh, and there were 23. Uh, crew members on this Japanese fishing boat called the Lucky Dragon Number 5 that were out fishing in this this fallout area. They were contaminated by this fallout, and they had no idea what was going on. It was 90 minutes after the test, and ash just started falling on them like snow. And they were literally, they're like the accountants that they were just like, what is this stuff? And just like picking it up, rubbing it in their fingers, literally tasting it. Right. Like they were just like fucking around with it. They had no idea what it was. And then they were like, oh, this, this isn't like so good. So they just by hand loaded it all into bags kept it on the ship to get it analyzed so they were sleeping next to it holy fuck they they all were got radiation sickness of course right. um and they they were bringing it they like they were they were trying to escape from this fallout area they brought it back to shore um and they were bringing it back in a bag they they went to a hospital when they got back because they were getting radiation sickness they were having these horrible horrible symptoms um and the guys at the hospital were like you're probably fine like whatever didn't do anything about it so there's also a chance that this radiation contaminated fish got that were on the fishing boat got into circulation yeah. in japan when they came back um and then basically somebody was like oh shit wait that's radiation sickness like something is fucked up brought them brought them to this like special hospital they had all this horrible stuff hair falling out blisters you know everything the works um they wrote japan wrote these urgent letters to the u.s atomic energy commission aec the u.s did not respond because the test was a secret right. and they thought that if they told the uh japan what was in the bomb that they exploded that people would be able to reverse engineer the bomb so they're like we're not gonna like we're not they didn't even respond they didn't even care yeah um, Jesus. these people uh i think a couple of them i think one of them died within six months uh and the rest of them were kept in the hospital for about 14 months and they came they got out of the hospital and they were alive for a while, but they all eventually died pretty young, except for one of them from, of course, cancer, mm-hmm. uh, except for, yeah, a few of them who died other ways. But really, really fucking horrible. 
Um, so there was no, I mean, by the time that they were rolling into pre-production for Gojira, none of them had suffered any fatalities. There was only just the... There was maybe one fatality max. Yeah, yeah but, but they, they, pre-production must have already been underway before any fatalities. So yeah. there, was no, there was no death in the conversation. It was only the idea that something was wrong and then... Yeah, yeah, it was they, they yeah, already had an and idea. this also created a huge obviously uproar in Japan when people cuz yeah, everyone was like freaking out cuz this fucking boat covered in radioactive dust harbor like docked at harbor. Right. And like they had fish on the boat and they weren't stopped immediately, so Yeah, they there was turned a the boat of, into a bomb. Yeah, there was a question of if this food entered circulation, was anything safe? Like really really horrible. Um and that was that that was like cited as the main inspiration behind uh godzilla and you have there's the original godzilla movie has a similar event with a fishing fishing boat right where people are attacked by godzilla yeah and i guess that's the that must also be the uh the the creative inspiration is that uh what is the absolute worst thing that could happen to innocent uh workers in the middle of the ocean if nuclear energy is involved yeah um and i guess there's there's something about like radiation as a as a tool in fiction like we talk about i mean spider-man getting his powers from a radioactive spider or or any number of superheroes who get their powers from this like this this ether this secret ether that somehow changes the very structure of your dna to augment it make it worse or better um and then to to use that thing as both the means of ruining a human life and poisoning society and then also a means of like yeah caking a person not just in radioactive dust but caking them in like a rubber suit that gives them the power in a movie to destroy everything yeah like the vengeance is coming from the human angle the radiation is empowering the human being to say no enough of this we have to destroy it yeah What's also insane about the nuclear angle in the original Godzilla movie is at this point in the 50s, um, in American sci-fi, we're already churning out the atomic monster movies and Mm -hmm. like the atomic mutants. This is already like a genre that's in full swing where it's like, whoa, something got radioactive and it got big or a guy got radioactive and he got big. Right. And then Mm -hmm. Japan, who actually suffered these horrible atrocities at the hands of the the country that is churning out these movies of what if a spider was big? Yeah, um, is like no, actually, this is the worst thing that has ever existed in the history. Yeah, of what, the what if actually it was hell, kind of instead yeah. of it got big? Like it is such a cry of anguish of a movie. It is incredible. Yeah, I guess the the there's this thing. I mean, like children obviously are always obsessed with dinosaurs because I guess the, there's something fundamental to like knowing that this planet was the home of the dinosaur. Like almost every single life form on the planet right now is a visitor in the dinosaur's house. Uh, this this whole planet is a playground and and an ecosystem that was designed to hold that kind of animal for hundreds of millions of years and then i i don't know if you guys ever think about this but like it's just so absurd that with the power of consciousness that we can't just decide to be other light life forms that like i can't just look at a dog and concentrate and become a dog <laughs> like it is kind of insane that consciousness is limited in that way yeah. that you are stuck an ape you can't change your nature and then yes, you're saying that by, by by the virtues of sentience 
You think that we should also shape shift? Yeah, I, I do feel as though like there, there's something about like what the human body is capable of. You watch you like Olympic athletes like doing things that you could never ever hope to do. You like I guess the Olympics is a very good example of what I'm talking about. Is you see I could ne- or like yeah the the uh, contortionists and uh, acrobats who can like fire and bow and arrow with their legs. Like yeah. how can you not just be a dog? How can you not just grow a bigger snout by concentrating and practicing <laughs> enough? Um, but I guess that is kind of also like if you could be anything, of course you would want to be bigger and more powerful. Like Godzilla has basically no strengths outside of his power. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there's no he has no secret abilities. Even yeah. even his radioactive ray is just an extension of his power. Uh yeah. Yeah. He what what's fun too about I mean, talking about um I guess going back to uh, talking about how like the the suit is is caked on and whatever, and how the suit is mm-hmm. is representing human with the power of radioactivity added on. Something that's that's fun, quote unquote, with that too is that the suit is like genuinely hazardous and painful to wear. Like I think the original suit was two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, um, holy and people, shit! It, it's hot as fuck in there. Yeah, there's he risk had of a heat there's stroke like of, seven yeah, times in the first movie. Insane amounts of heat stroke, almost drowning happens fairly frequently. Like it's how really they, difficult uh, to almost move. drown in what the the sweat and I guess sweat and I mean water scenes. There's a bunch of underwater scenes. Oh, that's right. That they yeah, the Toho pool. Yeah, the huge Toho pool. I mean, another famous story is the suit actor who played Hedera in uh, Godzilla vs. Hedera had to get his appendix removed while he was still in the costume because they didn't have time to take it off. Yeah. um, Because it's so giant and unwieldy that he would have died if they waited to take it off. So they had to cut open the suit and operate on him with him still in the suit. Like, it literally, yeah, it's it's all, I feel like, um, converges on that. It's like, yeah, it's, it's pain, a pain monster. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much suffering just on just even to create the miniatures. I mean, you just have like basically an army of of women. Yeah, it's creating just, the most incredibly painstaking miniatures like ever created in movies up to that point, and then we're gonna step on them. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get one take. We're putting. We're literally. It's literally fucking fission, dude. It's we're we're putting all of our. We're putting hours and hours. We're putting actual physical energy into creating a city, and then we're gonna create. We're gonna break it really fast. Yeah, I to mean make fun i I think we have really strayed so far from that kind like it's probably the most craftsmanship that has ever gone into a creative process uh even like Ghidorah's scales i think were just like hand applied i mean just hundreds and hundreds of scales with tweezers i mean yeah fucking the one thing i learned that blew my mind was varin who's a a lesser toho kaiju who's not uh, who only shows up i think in fucking what does he show up in in he's in destroy all monsters Monsters. for like half a second yeah but his, his suit was was made of peanut shells yeah, they were like the the designer was like, I kind of want him to have this look and showed a pe- like showed him peanut shells. And they're like, OK, do that. And yeah. he glued together a shit ton of peanut shells to make the suit fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all shit like that. I mean, nuts. Um, I guess just talking about Varan, like Varan uh, came out. I want to say that uh, Varan came out before. The sequel to Godzilla, before Godzilla Raids Again, uh, but maybe even after, before Godzilla. After Raids Again, but before King Kong versus Godzilla. I think it was 57. Yeah. Maybe. 50, 57, I think, is Varan. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, Varan has uh, an interesting, like, tale. And I feel like they were, they were just trying to figure out... He's the only other solo monster to have a black and white Toho movie. Um, Varan was he, 58. Yeah, he... he 
they he has a tribal he has a group of tribal acolytes who who basically summon him. He's just a god, I think, right? Yeah, he's a lizard god. Um which they could have easily gone with that angle for Godzilla in every other iteration. They could have just admit like, oh, that the first movie is supposed to be a nuclear allegory, but after that we're just gonna make him this sort of uh ancient god that has tribal acolytes. And yeah. they, there have been a few iterations of Godzilla that uh kind of pay homage to the Varan's uh, origin story. They literally reuse Varan's tribal music in King Kong versus Godzilla because in order to even inject King Kong into the fiction, they have to somehow create a foil for Godzilla that has nothing to do with nuclear energy. He's, it's yeah. all about the human ability to summon and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, organize around deities. Yeah. I mean, the spiritual versus the technological kind of. Yeah, I think so. I think that's and that Mothra is the same way. Like Godzilla's foil is almost always something that is either uh, a direct, uh, like corollary to what he like. Uh, Titanosaurus is basically the exact same thing as Godzilla. Hetera, I guess, essentially is also the exact same thing as Godzilla. Like yeah. the inverse of human beings. Uh, like mistreatments of the environment becoming manifest is what Godzilla is. But then you also have. Yeah, the 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 triumph of the human spirit and the yeah. triumph of human myth uh, coalescing around a form uh, that 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 I guess is the spirituality versus technology argument. I feel like also the other thing about him is that like um, when you look at, I mean, he's shifted so much over his existence, just what he is and what he stands for. And I feel like we should talk about the different eras in a minute. But um, something that I feel like that this shift always holds constant with you know, no matter what he's representing in whatever particular movie, um, he kind of is the midpoint between he's always either fighting something that is ancient and natural or something that is an alien from space. And he is like, he, he is the dialectic of like, I am, he is, he is, he is the ancient dinosaur that is also the modern atomic monster. And that's why he can straddle that. That's why he can fight both of those. And he can be both of those in other movies, too. I do. I agree. I feel like he is sort of the ambidextrous uh, human position as, a, as the observer of the universe. He's, he, he has all of the accoutrements of human consciousness and, like, our unique vantage point of this particular moment in the universe. And then also he is uh, just clumsy dinosaur reptile. Yeah. He is, I, th- I think and he so is. And so for that reason, he is like a referee. He plays referee to, yeah, the, the human struggle between caveman and spaceman. Yeah. He, he's able to settle those disputes. Literally, I think he is the most important monster ever created. Yeah. I think that he... It's almost too much. It's almost it too is, perfect. He is the, I think he is the urtext of reality, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, he is, I mean, just something, something that on the face of it is so simple that he's a bipedal dinosaur with spines and he breathes and he, fire and he breathes he's fire and he, and he fights yeah. guys yeah. but he this is rec- it's reckoning with like the nuclear bomb like the ultimate weapon that humanity created the, when humanity finally invented a way to destroy the world yeah. and they summon the genie or whatever he's that he's also like reckoning with oh there was stuff that walked this earth before us and we'll never see it and we can't understand it and it, we are less than it mm-hmm. and we're we're here for so much shorter than it and we will be here for so much shorter than it because we created the nuclear bomb yeah like and yeah then just also just the perfect fear of just something that is big yeah, exactly. Yeah. The genius well, well, of... Oh, go ahead, Kai. Well, I was going to say that, that 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 primal element that you were talking about, I don't think that's just like a respect for 
dinosaurs or old creatures. I think that that is a, a you know a representation of like the raw destructive force of nature in general and in, in, in its totality. Yeah, that we still deal with, a, that we still kind of try to hide yeah, from right now. Yeah, where it's, yeah. So like every once in a while, you know, it's like there, there's there's hubris is no match for an earthquake kind of thing. You know, like. Yeah. I feel it's, like it's, it's it's like what we've talked about in our in our bear episode kind of. He's like the ultra bear. He's like the mm-hmm. bear for the modern time where like in the 1600s a bear is something where if you run into a bear you're fucked. There's we literally haven't invented technology yet that can kill a bear. Yeah. You and know he's what, the updated version of that. What he also has in common with the bear and what also makes him like this this hypostatic union of two completely disparate ends of a given spectrum is that he's amphibious mm-hmm. and that I mean you talk about like yeah the the dangers of nature Kai I mean obviously the go-to is you you think of yeah the destructive force of like an elephant trampling you or whatever because that's like the closest analog is something that can knock over a building but the the mystery of the bottom of the ocean is arguably like untapped in terms of mythological creatures like yeah. there's no such thing as as the as the amphibious dragon who like is as scary underwater as he is on land uh-huh um, yeah yeah he's he is i mean he's he's moby dick also. Yeah, i was about to say he's moby dick and he's king kong right he's gorilla whale which yes. is what gojira apocryphally oh, yeah 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 gojira is supposed to be gorilla and kujira which means whale yeah um it's supposed to be what the 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 synthesis of those two words which is also maybe not true Could, there's yeah, a bunch of argument over what there's actually no etymological, came from yeah there's no official etymological explanation but he is the gorilla he literally he is, is king whale. kong moby dick yeah um i've read that uh who the fuck is the guy who came up with uh willis is that the guy willis o'brien, willis o'brien. no he didn't He's come up special with king kong, for yeah. king kong. So the, whoever whoever wrote the character was literally just walking around new york and said what if there was a gorilla up there that's um, what every fucking kaiju origin story is that the, the origin story for the guy who came up with gamera is that he was flying in a plane and he looked outside his plane window and he saw a cloud that looked like a turtle and was like what if a giant turtle was flying next to my plane yeah <laughs> it's crazy i mean it, i like you think that that's the kind of thought that every child has growing up but like i, I think ch- i think children do are, but maybe we're taught it by people like that like maybe we're although i guess Dude, like, he's also the fucking he's the child fear with the adult fear he's the he's the fear of of there's a big monster meeting word fucked on the earth right yeah we are we are bad we are sinful we have shame we should yeah. be ashamed or i'm gonna get squished <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, my, my dad would always tell me that he would always tell me about nightmares that he had when he was a kid that he would in his in his dream, he would wake up and hear footsteps coming down his street and then he would sit up in his bed and he would look out his bedroom window and Godzilla would be looking into his window. He would just see his eye at the window. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've longstandingly had um, recurring nightmares or fears of just being pursued by a great beast like capital g capital b mm-hmm. uh, some, something about just like something that's too big like that looking for you i, I know godzilla doesn't really like he think, Akaiju- i think he's maybe targeted two people in his entire filmography yeah um, yeah he, he doesn't really target yeah but- I think there's in in Godzilla versus the Sea Monster he targets a, a human female because uh, his character was originally supposed to be King Kong and they rewrote it, and then in Godzilla uh, 
in GMK, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack, there's like a school teacher who's looking up at him. Oh, and there's also that He's girl also in the hospital. The ho- I was about to say the hospital. He also kind of indirect in, uh, I think it's 2000. Oh, in 2000, when yeah. When the guy standing on the yeah. building. Yeah. He does Godzilla! like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Godzilla! Yeah. He does, he does s- some shit like that, but he like... He's not really oh, doing it. Oh, and in Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Yeah, I think it's always like to serve some kind of narrative hubris and yeah. for, a tr- for a character. Like a character thinks that they're safe and, and yeah. that's their fatal flaw. And Godzilla is an I- environmental um, retribution yeah. for their it's character It's not like he's flaw. hunting anyone. It's just that he sees someone being like, Godzilla! And he's <laughs> like, fuck you, whatever. Yeah. I don't even, yeah, it doesn't even matter to me. Yeah, and when he I'll does that, you. I don't think that he's acting in, like, he doesn't want to be doing that. Yeah. He's, he's only sort of like oh, doing great. his job, which is to give <laughs> oh, people their penance. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. Sometimes Godzilla <laughs> clocks in to give people their just desserts, but that's not yeah. actually what he wants to be doing. A fucking guy in a black trench coat is screaming again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to tail whip him. Yeah, I guess I being being squished is better than being squished and ashamed and deserving it. Exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess uh, I there's I don't even know if you want to well, go. Maybe we should go back in. What? Go ahead. I was just gonna say. You know, the fact that he. So my fear of being targeted specifically by a great beast doesn't really relate to Godzilla, and in in that way, it's kind of nice that Godzilla typically isn't petty, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> he's so honorable. He's honorable. He squishes all, you know, w- without without any any yeah, any. He squishes there. everybody. Totally, mm-hmm. you don't care. Yeah, but I think that is a good segue talking about him being petty versus him being um, uh, honorable into just talking about the eras um, and how he's changed over time. Yeah, um, I guess uh, real quick, I just want to yeah. talk about like even the idea of being targeted in nightmares. Uh, Definitely. Like, why would the human mind practice being targeted? It, it's purely like a predator-prey yeah. survival instinct. It must be that the brain is, is doing... Uh, matrix kung fu training to try to get you away from predators in your waking life. That's why it conceives of a creature that is targeting you specifically. And also, and, this is one that you can't get away from. Right. Right. And then even just thinking about like why people have alien abduction experiences or sleep paralysis hallucinations where someone is watching you. It's like why would uh, why would a, a spacefaring intelligence travel light years to watch you sleep? It's because your brain is telling you that you will be targeted by forces that you can't imagine or can't conceive of. And then, yeah, for Godzilla to not invoke that, to not be like a slasher villain, it's almost like a deliberate, uh, yeah, that they're endowing him with with honor on purpose to make a point about a version of a predator that uh, has no yeah. desires, Which that is, has yeah, no Yeah, it's hunger. important, but he's not a predator. That's the important exactly. part, I feel like. He's, he's, he's a wanderer. Right. He's a, he's, he's, again, he's like, he is, he's almost the prey. I mean, not really, but he is, he is more aggrieved than he is aggrieving. I feel like, um, at least, you know, spiritually or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. Something that I I feel like he's a stomping. Yeah. He is a stomping. Exactly. Something I feel like I've talked to you before about Pierce is I feel like, um, to me, the, one of the ways that I always think about Godzilla is like, I think about, I I think that one of the greatest, um, images or premises or concepts that science fiction has ever come up with or created um, is the like 
irradiated or mutated or diseased astronaut wandering through America. Yeah, the nuclear nomad. Through, the nuclear nomad, yeah. yeah. The, the the incredible melting man, you know, wandering through a desert or a field or the yeah. Midwest or whatever. And, you know, yeah, he's, he's somebody's fishing and they go, hello, is someone there? And he comes out and his face is fucked up and they go, ah, and they run away. And he, right. he's, he's not a monster and he's not evil. He's been subjected to some kind of space test that's fucked him up and he's crash landed on Earth and it's as if he's on an alien planet and it's, and it's also as if he's an alien. Right. And I think that that is one of the greatest and most like touching and meaningful things that science fiction has ever created. And Godzilla is the monsterfication of that. Yeah. Is he, is, he is the giant irradiated astronaut. He is the wanderer where to him a human city is the you know field or the desert because this isn't his civilization and he doesn't re- he's he's walking through well, these buildings that are to him basically nothing right it's also i feel like the the it's not just the field but it's also the person fishing i mean yeah. because in, in a lot in a lot of these circumstances you know he's just like he's fucked up and in pain and wandering and isn't necessarily like you know out to get anybody he's just like ah and then all of a sudden you know stinger missiles are shot at him or whatever yeah and it's it's a similar thing where it's just like he doesn't know what's happening he's in pain and then he's being attacked and his response it like he's not he's not attacked he's not striking first yeah totally i think i think it's like i think it's such an incredible translation of just the uh immortal human story trope of I am a guy and I'm wandering from town to town and there's something following me and what's following me is my past and my badness and I don't have to leave this town because guys are trying to get me I have to leave this town because I'm the wanderer and that's what I do and he's the and Godzilla is the cowboy that has lived forever in our in our brains and in our in our stories Um, yeah he's been rendered a symbol uh of himself like he can't change he can't even make decisions in the present that would change the the nature of his past like it is like he got turned into a david lynch uh cut out of himself like and he i think his ability to locomote in tokyo is kind of the only way for him to express any free will but obviously you can't have a dialogue with godzilla you can't like get to know him and he can't tell you that he has secrets or yeah. desires <laughs> like i'm actually misunderstood i wish i could explain to you all or the pain exactly but his his moving is is like his his moving is what makes him a character but if he were not to move if he were still then he would just be either a monolith or like a natural disaster yeah uh, the fact that he's able to exert free will as to where he goes and the fact that he goes to bed i don't think he I, he barely eats i think there's like three movies where he has something to eat they wanted him to eat cows in the original one yeah, i think he eats a, i think they I think drew he, a picture of him eating a yeah. cow but they never committed it to film right Ishiro Honda really liked the idea. He he was very into the idea of the kaiju eating animals, human sized human sized animals. You yeah. know what I mean? Normal sized animals. Rodan gets a dolphin and yeah. destroys uh, monsters. And, and yeah. destroy all monsters. Apparently, there was an original like whole sequence of like explaining how Monster Island was able to like farm enough food to support the monster and like a very like infrastructural way of being like this is like how actually this works and right. like and they were like you you can't do this it's nobody cares about this um but he was like very fascinated with that but it never really fully made it into the movies yeah it's so it, it honestly defeats the purpose i think i yeah. think the fact that godzilla does not need to eat is what makes 
is what is what allows you to understand him as something godlike. He yeah. shouldn't yeah. have to eat. He's powered by his own internal yeah. monologue. And I get, I guess, too, you bringing up the way his his like moving, his lumbering. I, I it makes me want to go back to dinosaurs for a minute because um, this is I've yeah I want to talk about um, the public perception of dinosaurs in the time period that Godzilla came out mm-hmm. because. In the current day, I think it's fair to say that most people have dinosaur fever. Like that's mm-hmm. a common interest for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a ton of dinosaur movies and video games and whatever. Um, but it wasn't always like that. Um, and after World War II, people didn't really care about dinosaurs very much. They were kind of like whatever. Who fucking cares? Yeah. And I think a lot of and a lot of that was that's because weird. Yeah, isn't that so weird? I can't believe that. It's so insane to imagine knowing that these things we existed and being with like, dinosaurs. Whatever, yeah, we don't and, care. I mean, like giant ants and yeah. men from space. <laughs> yeah, like, right. it's it's cooler. Um, blobs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm into blobs now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I think a lot of that was because dinosaurs were perceived because that was that that was in the era of the bipedal T Rex, mm-hmm. um, or yeah. at least it was maybe. That the fifties may have been right after, but like they may have just remodeled the T Rex actually, remodeled. Um, but uh, <laughs> basically, yeah. the idea of dinosaurs was that because they would they thought of them as reptiles and that they were cold blooded and that they were these big bipedal like upright uh, humanoid type walking things. The 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 scientists thought of dinosaurs as basically sluggish and lumbering and just kind of waiting around to die. Right. There wasn't this perception of dinosaurs being hunters at all Mm -hmm. or like crafty predators or anything like that because they just they put their bodies together in such a way that it was like we can't imagine how this thing could walk around because we put the skeleton together wrong in a way that this creature can't walk so we're like how could this walk yeah um, we put it together in such a way as it would drag its head around like yeah. a completely useless <laughs> fucking yeah we put, it, we put it together <laughs> we threw all the bones down on a table at random and then went what the hell this, this probably look like an animal this one of the stupidest animal to ever live <laughs> <laughs> but at the time yeah people that's how what people thought of dinosaurs for the most part um so godzilla as is basically kind of reconfiguring that and being like yeah you know what like the dinosaurs were sluggish and they were lumbering and they were waiting around to die and guess what that's sad yeah. And that's horrible. Right. And they and look, he's look at what he's doing. He's in pain. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And and somehow somehow you have to you have to negotiate with uh how those if if that class of being exists, the slow lumbering thing that just is waiting to die, then it's your job to fix it. Because yeah. and that's also that's still scary. Right. That's still crazy that a thing existed that was big, well, even if it was slow and it was suffering. Yeah. Another, I, I think that what, that's also such a crazy concept of an animal because there is nothing alive in the natural world <laughs> that is intentionally waiting to die. Yeah, like ever, no, there's nothing that has that kind of like, like. There's no living creature that doesn't fight for Except its for a fucking panda. life. Yeah. <laughs> Except, yeah, you have experience with that. A panda just, no, they, I think they do just yeah. wait around. Except they have for no a, zest a, for life. A panda or a couple guys that I knew in uh, high think, school. I, yeah. Okay, here's the, thing. I, the thing is, though, is I think pandas don't seem like they have zest for life until you try to take it from them. Then right. I think you'd find out quickly if they have zest. And I, I think that, like, uh, I, I think the idea of something that seemingly doesn't, but is so powerful that you can't relieve it. Yeah. Like... 
is is super freaky. It's crazy. I mean, it's also just like I, I guess it's just like how can you possibly conceive of the way that something lived seventy million years ago? Even today, I think we are still is stuck in the mythology phase of figuring it out. Where it's like we're we are like we're making shit up. Like I know we're looking at the bones and we're saying, oh, we could tell that it put more weight on this foot so we can guess the way it walked mm-hmm. or whatever. But come on. Yeah, I agree. Get I, real. I, I 70 also, million years. I just think about like how fucking insane it is that they, they had the whole planet to themselves. Obviously there's such a huge amount of biodiversity in all the different periods and the just not even to mention like the fucking the idea of a horseshoe crab or just not even getting yeah. into the bugs and yeah, the yeah, yeah, trilobites. Yeah. But, uh, just speaking broadly about big reptiles and uh, I guess not even like the proto-mammals, like you have the avian dinosaurs and then a, a triceratops looks like nothing on Earth. There's not Dude, even a close it's analog insane. for there, a triceratops. There's shit, yeah, what the, one of the craziest things is that like kind of – I've been on like in another uh, prehistoric life phase recently mm-hmm. and one of the things that's sunk in recently is like – there are like the vast majority of stuff that lived and what and is extinct now. It doesn't have a descendant. Yeah, like it it died. Deleted. So, yeah, it died. So obviously nothing descended from it. Right. So there's nothing like it anymore. This is what I think is also interesting about like knowing for a fact that the only reason they're not around anymore is because something outside like. Of course, dinosaurs and space also have a relationship because a space rock nuked them. Like, yeah. they got nuked. The dinosaurs already, <laughs> even before you introduced the concept of a nuclear weapon, the, there, there was a, a surface temperature on Earth that was hotter than the sun that completely wiped them out. It's just, God dropped a nuke on the dinosaurs. That happened yeah. before we even got, before consciousness even entered the picture. Something about, and this must be like the, 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 fantasy on the part of the paleontologists or just the the you know the the layman is that dinosaurs must have had a lifestyle that was so incongruent with morality that god had to punish them with hellfire like they must the only reason that a space rock would travel hundreds of thousands of miles to destroy them is because they were doing something wrong yeah i think that is there is is that a real belief that anyone holds that that dinosaurs were sinful i I, I don't think it's a conscious uh, belief but i feel as though the the only the only way we can wrap our heads around an entire genocide of of a group of uh, is the only way I mean, to even have a genocide in our the inside of our minds is that a fascist wills it into existence. You know I what I do, mean? I also think that that genuinely was probably, I mean, literally the conscious belief back in the day. Maybe not, you know, literally they are sinful, but I do think that it was that people are like, say, these things died. How, well, how could you die? Right. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> why would these big animals be dead? Weirdo. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think yeah. they literally were like, they couldn't wrap their heads around the concept that something could have dominion over the earth and then lose it. Uh, right. um, and that is why the idea of dinosaurs as, 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 as lumberers. Yeah, right. exactly. They had to have fucked something up because yeah. something had to be wrong as, with as them. As opposed to the idea just that like shit can happen. Th- yeah. Shit can happen that is bigger than other shit and that keeps going up. Like there, there just is always a bigger shit that can happen. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
Nothing. There's, there's, there's 90%, no causal relationship. 90% of exactly. life on Earth has been deleted multiple times. That's right. happened so many times. Yeah, and it's actually pretty rare for an extinction event to have an extraterrestrial yeah, cause. It usually happens, and it usually happens over a pretty long time. Right. And it just happens. I, it happens. I mean, I also and, think it happens and it, you know, and it happens because the uh, living things on Earth have become too specifically developed into their biological niche, niche yeah. and something and something happens that they can't reckon with that maybe fucks with the atmosphere mm-hmm. or maybe some chemicals got created they can't but deal it's with. Always but that like, couldn't happen again. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's not happening right now. No, no. Um, yeah, dude. Maybe we should talk about I, the yeah. different... I okay. guess, I, I, guess, I, I guess I, the way to bring this back to Godzilla is to bring up, the. I think, the elephant in the room of the franchise where that's kind of funny that... Yeah, I guess you kind of... You're supposed to assume that Godzilla's been alive for 65 million years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that he was a dinosaur <laughs> that was took a nap. It basically, once you once you start thinking about that, then there's really like, why does it? What? What does a nuke have to do with any of this? Why is he alive? What the hell is he I, doing? I think, but I think that adds to his like, you know, mythological. It adds to like the. He's not just a dinosaur. Yeah, you know, he he's 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 a dinosaur like thing that is really kind of just a god. Yeah. Yeah, he's a secret dinosaur. He must have been the king of the monsters even before he was awoken. Like even it's, in his even just, in yeah. dinosaur times, he must have been in charge. It's just so funny I, that in that in every single uh movie ever, they never even try to re- even the like, you know, the modern ones where they the monsterverse, like mm-hmm. the American ones where they try to play the game of like, oh, we've been we've been following him since 1954. It's like you're still trying to say he's alive for 60 million years. Yeah. Like, it's just funny that in the universe, they don't try to deal with it at all. They're like, I guess he was asleep. Well, that is like, yeah, why the bottom of the ocean is like the perfect. Uh, yeah, like it's it's like a tautology. It's like he's he's the reason he's alive is because he's at the bottom of the ocean. And the reason that he's at the bottom of the ocean is because no one knows where he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you guys ever seen a snapping turtle in real life? No, I've seen a video of a guy getting his hand chomped the fuck up by a snapping turtle. Though. So, I, I, one thing that I will say is, I feel like your reasoning of why he's at the bottom of the ocean is why. Yeah, that's that's for sure why. But you know, the, snapping turtles. If you see them in real life, they are horrible things. I love them a lot, but like they're just like these ancient looking hissing things, and. They look like they're made out of rock a little bit. Like they, yeah, they, it's a Pokemon they look, for sure. Oh yeah, and they, they look truly primordial. And oh, in the winter, they they don't hibernate. They do. There's a different word for what it's called. I actually don't remember what it is, but reptiles do it. Mm-hmm. Um, aquatic, but they basically just like are awake, but like just not moving and like just they're really elf really, trance state. Yeah, they're 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 D and D elf trance stating at, at the bottom of the lake or whatever. And I think that there's like, I think it's easy to it's an easy pill to swallow that there's a giant rocky reptilian thing that's just at the bottom of the water. Yeah. That, that like then if something happens, it comes up. It's just like that. That is that's what that's what crocs do. That's like you know things things do that totally. Yeah. Like and yeah. So it's it like it feels natural that that would happen too. So it's it's Definitely. not a, and when. Like it does seem like a loophole, but the idea that like you know, it, it, if you take how heavy a snapping turtle is and you s- scale up the difference between how how heavy a snapping snapping turtle is and how long it lives, and multiply that by how much Godzilla weighs, and and translate to the how long it might live, 
it's probably not 65 million but like i don't know i <laughs> I, I think it's still like it, there's still like a naturalness to it that makes sense yeah. to me that it would that it would be slumbering they, at the bottom of the i do ocean. i think I, I do think that it does feel natural and it makes sense i just think it is one of the i mean where obviously none of these movies are going to try to reckon with Godzilla biologically in any way of being like, okay, obviously a creature of this size could not sustain itself and could not actually exist and could not pump blood through its body or whatever. But it does feel like the, the, the being asleep at the bottom of the ocean for millions of years thing does feel like the one thing that they would maybe try to deal with. Mm-hmm. And the, you know what I mean? Yeah, because it would be so fun to just like get yeah. into the... To yeah. like fuck around with it. Like, what if he wasn't asleep? What if he was doing shit down there the right. whole time? I guess what I also appreciated about it is that, like, there, who's to say that the first atomic test wouldn't, if it was to be conducted in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, that it wouldn't somehow awaken something that was in a deep reptilian sleep? Like, the, the only reason we're scoffing at it now is because we know that it hasn't it didn't, happened. Yeah, but, like, they thought that the entire atmosphere was going to vaporize. There was just no telling what yeah. cause of, what chain of events was going to be set in motion by the first atomic detonation and uh yeah i guess that is the only possible thing that could that the human being could actually access in a place where no human being is allowed to go which is the bottom of the ocean the only the only way to even exercise of the authority of uh like bringing life or death to something that is like three miles down in the most pressurized like it's like going into the center of the earth the only way to even stir the pot is to use a star-sized device yeah, the thing that we created that destroys the, biggest, the world the, the biggest most baddest thing also yeah. just uh tapping back for one second it's called brumation that's reptilian that is so hibernation cool. is, is, is brumation cool is it I wonder just, why. It's waking hibernation? Is that what it is? Yeah, well, it's just reptilian hibernation, and I think oh, that okay. they are, they're technically awake, they, but they, they slow their, their metabolism down a ton, and then just, like, wait. That's crazy. Damn. Winter solstice is the etymology. Oh, wow. Oh, that's I was cool. thinking, because I was wondering, Broom Tower from Dark Souls 2. Oh, is that B-R-U-M? Yeah. Yeah. B-R-U-M-E, and that's wintery. Right. So yeah. I was wondering. Winter solstice. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Crazy. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I, it is, it's, I also, I guess, wanted, I feel like since we, we went off on a, on a dinosaur's tangent, I think it's fair and makes sense, and we definitely should also go off on a nuclear bomb tangent, because um, I think that that is, the nuclear bomb <laughs> is the reason that Godzilla is the monster that he is, you know, obviously both narratively and and real life. Maybe a good maybe a good pivot point uh, to structure that conversation around is the evolution of his atomic breath. Um, yeah, and how in the very beginning his atomic breath was just. Uh, I guess the the way that the kaiju wiki describes it is that it's a superheated vapor. Yeah, that's uh, how I always invi- when I watched it as a kid. I always thought it was steam. Yeah, it's yeah. basically like. Uh, what, what what is it called pyroclastic flow coming yeah. out um yeah like uh, like turning on an, uh, a hair dryer at at uh, 11% or 11 11%, 11% <laughs> not 11% <laughs> kind of warm yes he has hot on, breath turning on a hair dryer that is 1000 times the strength of a normal hair dryer at, at 11%, 11%. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but then the idea that you would uh, that you would have maybe several different uh, human fantasies about what technology as a weapon looks like. So, 
technology as a weapon, meaning like a microwave gun and uh-huh. or like just a microwave coming out of his mouth. And then technology as a weapon being like a sci-fi ray or a sci-fi blaster. And then also just a flamethrower. But yeah. basically his what happens inside Godzilla's mouth is a portal into the sci-fi realm. Like we're outside of the mythological dragon and we're outside of hard science with respect to the nuclear bomb. Uh, we're, we're talking about how the nuclear bomb itself is a sci-fi weapon and represents like, yeah, the, the old school spaceman fantasy. Um, and that is kind of Godzilla's only relationship to science fiction. Everything else is just like what we were talking about. This like weird hypostatic union between the fantasy genre and the actual hard sciences. Yeah. He he does stay true to just like the fire breathing dragon. You right. know, but like they, they've they've upgraded it, and it 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 tracks on both levels all of a sudden, which is great. He, yeah. that, that 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 him being a fire breathing dragon, but the the reason that he breathes fire is is atomic or whatever is another example of him straddling both like the 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 mythical and the technological very well. Totally. What, quick side sh- tangent is I took uh, my girlfriend at the time to see uh, Gareth Edwards' Godzilla movie in theaters, and uh, she knew I was super into Godzilla. And when we walked out, she was like, I thought it was cool, but I thought it was so weird that he just made him, they made him breathe fire like a dragon at the end. And I was like, you are an idiot. <laughs> I was like, that is one of his powers. <laughs> it was so funny to me that someone did not uh, know that Godzilla that breathed was, blue fire. That was my number one um, autism as a kid was I was so I was basically at all seconds of the day vibrating with potential energy waiting to tell somebody that Godzilla doesn't breathe fire he breathes <laughs> an atomic ray yeah that was uh, that was my uh, yeah I was so ready at all I would see I would go to the I would go to the the grocery store I'd go to Newberry Comics and I'd see a, a knockoff Godzilla drawing with and just I t- yeah, orange I'd t- fire I'd, yeah I'd tap my dad on the shoulder be like look Mm-hmm. They got it wrong. They got it wrong. Yep, that's wrong. <laughs> he doesn't breathe fire. He breathes an atomic ray. I can like remember vividly multiple places I was in where I saw a picture of a Godzilla breathing fire instead of an atomic ray, and thought to myself, "What? Like this is so wrong. What the fuck?" Yeah, I that felt I was, yeah exactly. Yeah, that was that was my experience <laughs> as a child. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, just starting to cry and scream and point <laughs> at it. <laughs> yeah, I would get so pissed off about that. Um, but isn't it interesting that that is the perception? I feel like maybe I do. I think Godzilla has entered a lot more into public knowledge now because of the MonsterVerse stuff. I feel like there definitely was a stretch where there was general ignorance about Godzilla and, and what he malaise. actually meant. I feel like people thought that Godzilla was like actively bad like actively a waste of time i think but yeah i just like it is so interesting that for a long time that well it's also i guess uh, probably a lot of this actually does have to do with the hanna-barbera show i guess but i was Mm -hmm. about to say a lot of uh, you would see godzilla and he would be a green dragon who breathed red fire right um and that yeah it's just very very interesting that that and he was crossing over with it was marvel right he was he, he yeah he was in the marvel comics i had i had that collection which is why the Godzilla Toho logo, every single Godzilla Monster Kai has its own copyright logo that is in a circle with a tiny line drawing. I don't know why they... I've never seen a, like a copyright system it's like insane. the Toho Monster System, but they did it, I think, 
because it was the only way for Toho to feel comfortable licensing, licensing Godzilla to Marvel Comics. So the Godzilla uh, line drawing for his Toho copyright looks like absolute dog shit. It's so hard to tell what's even going on, mm-hmm. but it's because that's the Hanna-Barbera or Marvel Comics Godzilla in that picture. Anyway, just talking about childhood uh, real quick, if we can do another tangent. Yeah, yeah. Is I still have, when I would go to like Blockbuster or whatever, I would always just look at the Godzilla section to see if someone had returned a Godzilla movie. Because I, as a child, it was the first movie I ever watched that was extremely, like, uh, yeah. I mean, every picture I would like, draw. Like, I mean, li- literally. First movie I ever watched, I think, was uh, shit. was Son of Godzilla. And uh, anytime a pen touched a piece of paper for, uh, still to this day, I don't draw anything other than Godzilla. I don't, I'm not interested in drawing, but I will. Yeah. I, if I, I, it, I would just sit for hours and draw pictures of Godzilla and Godzilla monsters for a long time. But when I was a kid yeah. and I would go to Blockbuster or whatever, I was convinced that there were infinite Godzilla movies and that anyone could make them. That like, oh, Godzilla is for the people. And when you make a movie, you can choose to make a regular movie or a Godzilla movie. <laughs> and anytime you go to a blockbuster, you will find every blockbuster across the world will have a Godzilla movie that very few people have seen. And no human being could ever hope to watch them all. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was maybe 14 that I realized that there was a finite amount of Godzilla movies. Uh, I had, and I, I still have that's dreams. A cool concept. I, yeah, I still have dreams where I where I go to Blockbuster and I find a brand new Godzilla movie that no one's ever heard of. You're giving me such a flashback where I had a very similar thing when I was a kid. That oh, yeah, one of the greatest experiences of being a kid was I would always go to Newbury Comics in Harvard Square mm-hmm. with my dad, and I would run to their DVD section, mm-hmm. and I would go to G, and mm-hmm. I would look because they always had like Godzilla movies. And to I'd this be, like, day, a I, comic I, shop, I'll yeah, always run I, to G. Dude, me too. I I own all of the movies. I still do that. Yeah. I still just go look. But I, I would go and I'd be like, oh, I have this one, I have this one. And like the pure excitement of seeing, because yeah, this is before streaming. This is before I know how to like find, how to buy my, I can't get anything for myself. It right. has to come to me. I can't get anything. It makes so me want to cry seeing, how excited seeing, I got. Yeah. I know, dude. Seeing fucking like, seeing, holy fuck, Godzilla versus Gigan. Because I've seen Gigan in Final Wars. Right. Like, holy shit, holy fuck. And getting that DVD. And I remember I got the fucking, I got Godzilla versus Hedorah, mm-hmm. which I had again only seen. In I, Final Wars, yeah. yeah. Seen Hedora only in Final Wars and been like, that's so sick. Finally getting the movie, being like, oh my god, holy shit! And bringing it home and putting it in my DVD player, and the DVD was scratched and it wouldn't get past the club scene. Oh my oh, god! The, so the yeah. first five so, minutes. Yeah. So I had I had never seen the full header until I was an adult because of wow. that. And like, yeah, just being able to have the experience of going to a store and seeing a movie that you like maybe assumed would probably exist because you knew both of the monsters that it existed, exactly. but you weren't like. You know, I didn't have a list of them. Right. I mean, th- yeah, growing up, I, yeah, I, of course I had access to the internet whenever I wanted. Oh, also, early internet, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but I would go on this website called Barry's Temple of Godzilla constantly. It was just an old school website. There's not websites like this anymore. And he had monster pages for every one of the monsters, and you could click them, and then you could get like a Windows Media Player version of their roar that he recorded yeah. himself. It was like the... And I would just... Every time I would go on the old school Dell desktop computer CRT monitor, I would just go to Barry's Temple of Godzilla and be on there for hours. That's what I thought the internet was for for a long time, too. Yeah. Was just going well, on this is. one website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 
when I was a kid, I remember my dad uh, parked the car outside of a block. We were like on vacation or something, and we wanted to get like a VHS to watch while we were staying at this cabin or whatever. And I was positive that someone had made a Godzilla movie called All Monsters Fight. Someone must have, yeah. uh, because there are so many Godzilla movies, and it would be foolish to not put them all in one movie. And then my dad knew that. He knew, because he was introducing me to all the movies. He was like dripping them like uh, uh, like heroin into my bloodstream. Like yeah. once a year, he would let me watch a new Godzilla movie that he found. And I remember him getting into the car, holding a, God's, uh, holding a VHS and not showing me. And he said, I found a movie for you. And I said, oh my God, is it a Godzilla movie? And he said, yep. And you've never seen it before. You want to know what it's called? And I went, all monsters fight? And then he handed me Destroy All Monsters. And I wow. shit my... It was like... Oh it, my it's, God. The, it's a hand-drawn like cartoon of King Ghidorah huge... I had that DVD. Yeah, yeah. I had that same that same box art. Yeah, unbelievable. Just so much joy. And yeah. I, my, it's literally so imprinted in my brain that still in, in my late 20s, I will have that uh, dream of seeing a new Godzilla movie. Yeah, it really... It, it controlled my childhood so much. I also... I don't know that it was literally the first movie I ever saw, but my dad was definitely like putting me onto it as soon as possible it teaches and, you it yeah. teaches you so much about like expression and joy and movies and interest like i i, I truly think that if i have a child i will have to make uh-huh, sure that, yeah. that i get in in the critical period I think I, yeah i guess also not to get too like yeah but i i think that literally part of the like uh, most of the reason that i am able to enjoy things the way that i enjoy things is because as a kid i watched the shitty Godzilla. like i watched son of godzilla and, and i watched i watched yeah. all monsters attack and i was like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen this is giant monsters fighting yeah like i think that it literally is a formative experience that a child has to have or it doesn't have to be godzilla but it does have to be godzilla but just <laughs> like being able to watch a movie where you can see the suit zipper and still being in yeah being fucking obsessed with how cool it is yeah i think is such an important thing to be able to experience um yeah i, I mean that's know, I, it go ahead kai sorry I, I, was, I was just gonna say i i did not watch a lot of movies with 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 suits like monster movies like i didn't watch older monster movies when i was younger so i didn't develop like an appreciation for them until i was older um and like the, without like the training of a child to like fill in the blanks with your imagination you you have to do more legwork as an adult to do that but i also like like monsters enough in general that i can kind of i mean i i was yeah. sitting around thinking about monsters at the, the the same time you were doing that i was also thinking about monsters <laughs> you were so training like, you were studying it, yeah so like i still like i think you can still have that appreciation not to the same degree that either of you guys do but like you know when there's a good concept as a concept as solid as that, I think that it's you, you can still you can still get into the idea and the world that's being painted. You're basically totally. like yeah. describing well, think, the difference between materialism and devotion. I feel like we were materialists, yeah. but you were still devoting yourself to the monster ways, but you were doing it as like a like a Buddhist practice. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. you were praying I wasn't allowed to, to watch that stuff. I, I was just I was conjuring them and drawing exactly. them. Exactly. What's funny too is I think the thing I'm describing of like being able to appreciate this kind of thing, I think I'm describing crippling your brain into being a kid's brain. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah. I'm> describing <laughs> making yourself stupid as an adult. 
<laughs> we, we we all walk. We we. What everyone needs to do is they need to find a, a good friend to just bash them on the head with something. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like with a cinder block. I do think this, it it deactivates the part of your brain where you're supposed to live in reality. Right. I well, think, it's good. Yeah. I mean, but that's the other thing too. Is I mean, they it is probably the best children's entertainment because it does. It like any it's other the perfect ratio of it's it's like it's four kids explicitly a lot of it. Well, yeah, it's we like can even talk and, about that, like yeah. how it transitioned into kids content. It's cute and fun. It's also cool. Mm-hmm. And it's also it also, I think, has the perfect percentage of that kids media is supposed to have of poison of terror where like I, I feel like a lot of, you know, how people have like their things where like I watched this as a kid and it terrified me and it scarred me and I, and I've it's burned into my brain forever. And for me, like multiple of those are not movies, but are just like 10 second parts in Godzilla movies yeah. that I thought were so fucking scary. Like in destroy the, the two ones that have stuck with me forever were in destroy all monsters. Um, when they, the, well, there's one where a guy gets shot in the head mm-hmm. and it's literally, it's genuinely a red dot appears on his head yeah. and then he falls down and that scared the shit out of me. There's also a part where they operate to take that like a uh, robot, or alien transceiver or whatever out of that woman's ear. Mm-hmm. And that scared the shit out of me too. Yeah. And then in final wars, when they have the exilian body and it splits that, open, yeah, that shit scared me so well, bad. So speaking, this is just on the subject of, of filling in the blanks and childlike whimsy as an adult. I think the ability to enjoy these things is something that everyone can do. But I also think, you know, we were saying like, you know, you just have to become more dumber. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I actually, I, I think that, I think that it is admirable to be able... Like, I think... I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like, when you've lost your whimsy, you are toast. 100%. You are, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're burnt up. You, you're, it's no good. You are more lost than you even know. So, like, I, I think that it's, like... It's important to be able to, like... And to make a point of putting energy into, like... Trying to enmesh yourself in, in someone's vision, even if you can see the zipper. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that, that's that's, like... I think it's important to do that. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I ever, uh, like, obviously around maybe, like, yeah, my teenager years, I was starting to appreciate that there was a craft happening in Godzilla. But I, I definitely, when I watched them, I I, I think I, I just overconsumed it so much as a kid that uh, the first lens that I'm putting on and the lens that I have to take off in order to th- enjoy them as actual films is that when I look at Godzilla stomping around, I do not see a guy in a suit. And yeah, when I, exactly. Like, the, the, the blue sky backdrop, to me, he is outside. Yeah. Um, and, like, I have, I have the movies on Blu-ray now. You can see not just, like, the wires in the, in the puppetry or, or the zipper in the suits or whatever. You can see, like, the texture of the paint on the sky. Yeah. But to me, I still, I, like, just the way, I, I think also when, I, when I've taken psychedelics and I look at a blue sky, even a blue sky to me has nothing other than its relationship to Godzilla movies. Like, when I see a bright blue sky and mountains and clouds, I just can't, square it if like there isn't a huge head moving through the sky um pierce you know what i don't think that i have ever met anyone who likes godzilla as much as you <laughs> I, yeah i, I mean, think I, you have a way <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Yeah. Also, i mean I, I think that 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 is what's so magical that is why godzilla i think is the urtext of reality is yeah. because it is it's tra- it follows you your entire life if you start with it when you were a kid, 
Yeah. You will never be able to leave it because it will you you are trained as a kid with this whimsy and then it turns and the whimsy never leaves, but it grows into like, oh my God, this is life and this is science and this is ancientness. Yeah. <laughs> like it this is this is concepts that I can't even explain in words where this has this is means so much in so many different ways. I'm, I'm going to yeah. have my kids watch Godzilla, the, the originals, that, even though I didn't, just so that I can do this to them. It's, what it's, you guys are explaining. It's gorgeous, it sounds, it sounds really, like yeah. you guys are having a, a, a great time on, on that. I really on think that. it so. is the, yeah, the thing I'm so happy, I'm so, so happy that my dad showed me Godzilla as a kid. It literally, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can never really suffer the What's, absolute most that a human being can suffer because I have this tiny little jewel <laughs> inside of my fucking brainstem. <laughs> I can't I think, know yeah, I also, true human what's suffering. What's so fun to me, and so it, like I don't know um, <laughs> if if you, I don't know about your dad, but my dad definitely doesn't enjoy Godzilla in the same way that I do. Like he likes it a lot, mm-hmm. but he he doesn't. It was different because your dad and my dad watched it on TV. Yeah, yeah, and they grew yeah they grew up with with Ultraman dubbed onto their right. onto their TV and whatever. Um, yeah, and I think that uh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, and I guess it the Godzilla movies also were coming out when they were growing right. up too. Like, I think it is a completely different experience. Totally, but yeah, I just I have to wonder what the next generation because I think that I do think there are a lot of people that in, that like Godzilla like us, mm-hmm. and I think also that I do think it's a generational thing where I think a lot of the people in the generation before us like Godzilla in a different way. Even the people who like, even I've read a bunch of like Godzilla like like scholarly mm-hmm. whatever shit it's also and impossible it's all, yeah it's all written by guys who are you or know g fans who are yeah our dad's age yeah um and they all enjoyed it in a way that is different to the way that we enjoy it like it's it's so interesting so to i me. i went to g fest which is the annual godzilla festival that takes place in rosemont illinois um like right outside of chicago and i went there with my mom for i think this was for my 18th birthday my mom got me and my dad tickets it was like the sweetest thing ever so we went and we went to g fest together and i think that my dad kind of the whole time was thinking you're a little bit old for this, aren't you? And I was thinking I am a little bit old for this. And so are you, we both shouldn't be here because this is for like, this is the autistic Godzilla fans paradise. This is like, and I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult like line to tiptoe, but you do get into basically like neurodivergent obsession pretty quickly with this particular kind of entertainment. And I mean, truly we are walking around and just seeing, uh, just creatures <laughs> like there are creature <laughs> acolytes for Godzilla here. We've got like uh, we've got children that are that their parents are like. I mean, obviously there are parents who are bringing their little kids. Like I would say five, six year olds. There's a costume contest that adults are taking just as seriously as children. Mm-hmm. It's not like oh we're doing this activity for the kids. It is like probably the most. Uh, permissible place where adults and children are acting the exact same way um (laughs) like you wouldn't find that at like a pokemon fan like you would have a lot of horny tweens at a pokemon fan convention and then you would have a lot of adults and they would be segregated right you would have the old school fans and the new school fans but there's something also so like pro family about godzilla fandom like there is no superstructure or ideology that is being pushed from Godzilla movies that would create some kind of creepy atmosphere about mm-hmm. adults and Godzi- children coming. Godzilla is not horny. 
Exactly. It's like completely neutered. There are it's people all, who make it horny. I've there seen are it. people who make it horny. <laughs> it's, 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 there is fetish content for guys. It's but insane. There, uh, okay. dude, that's not surprising. You, but you know how Twitter does like the personal trending thing where it like it knows what you're interested in. It says like trending. It'll say Godzilla's trending, and I'm always like, oh shit! Like maybe some news dropped about the next it's movie or something. Stuff, yeah. I click it, and it's always the top thing is someone drew Godzilla fucking moth. Yeah, it's always like <laughs> and they're <laughs> anthropomorphic. And it's like it's so crazy. Yeah, that. That that is what you take um, from this. This, shit. this is kind of a little bit of an aside, but I just want to ask you too. Is like probably the most diehard Godzilla fans I've know like knowingly interact. Like I, you know, I don't. So maybe I've passed some on the street without knowing. But if if Godzilla were to materialize in real life, um, how would you feel? It would make sense to me. I, I also feel as though it would make sense to me. There were so many little like. Like, you know how cars are kind of kitbashed? Like, there's unnecessary little slices happening in cars sometimes. They just create little uh, design flourishes in interiors of cars. So one of those, uh, and this isn't even necessarily a flourish. I think, like, in the manufacturing process, they put, like, when you're in the back seat, sometimes there's a handle on the back of the front seats, just like Mm -hmm. a handle that you can grip. The way that's installed is, like, there's these two rectangular plastic pegs and i guess the handle part when they put it on there are hollows and the pegs are filled by it but to me growing up it looked like kind of like a button and i just remember asking my dad every time i got in the car this is a button right and when i press it godzilla will come and he said he would always just say yeah sure whatever but i i growing up like again like i thought that every like Every machine that was being unused was some kind of device that could summon Godzilla for me. Like, he would uh-huh. show up to meet me. Uh, and, yeah, I guess I still feel as though uh, if, yeah. when Godzilla comes, it will be well, because there, it's, there's, I, there's no I, way that I can't meet him. You I know believe I mean? that if the world ends on a single day, I think it will happen on Godzilla Day, which is November 3rd. Okay, but <laughs> I guess my, my, my question is, is less about how surprised you'd be and more like the, the emotion. Like, would you be like... You'd obviously, I think you'd be excited, but would you would you feel terror or exhilaration or both? I don't know. I guess I, I would be. I would definitely be exhilarated. I guess I would be scared. Uh, I guess I would. I would I'd be scared I, in the pure horror. Like I don't want to see an enormous, impossible thing because I would probably go yeah. insane. But I, guess, I think that yeah. too. I also yeah. think I would feel vindicated mm-hmm. because I do think that I really do base a lot of the way I think about the world on a lot of the stuff that I thought about about Godzilla, basically. When we went to the Grand Canyon, I think I told you that the first time I went there, I was tripping on acid when I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time, and I looked at it, and I, my very first thought was, if Godzilla was here, it wouldn't, he would be kind of small. Like, this dwarfs Godzilla. Yeah. I, I thought I knew what largeness was, but they should make a Godzilla movie where he's in the Grand Canyon because he would be so tiny. He did that in the, in the Marvel comics. In the right, Marvel you told me about he, uh, that. Yeah. He fights a, a Yeti That would be kind of in beautiful there. in a way. Yeah. I agree. I think, <laughs> yeah, which is uh, uh, well, one, uh, one time that, that he gets war- dwarfed that I guess we'll get into this. We'll have to. <laughs> but in when we get into eras, but Return of Godzilla. So one thing I, which I, I know you don't like that movie so much and I don't like the movie overall that but he's much, dwarfed by the building. The thing that I love in that movie. Yeah. Is that he, it's the 30th anniversary of Godzilla um, and he comes back to Tokyo and he's like half the size of the buildings. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen there is an actual there's like a size chart that somebody made that's like the height of Godzilla in 1954 in the movie is like 100 meters tall or whatever compared yeah. to the height of buildings in Tokyo nowadays. And he literally is, he's like 
a fifth of the height of the buildings, if that. Um, and that is like, isn't that so insane? Yeah. They have to keep making him bigger. I, I he's, yeah, he's huge now. He's so fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> they made him too big. <laughs> I like you guys. You guys, so cool you guys like so, the modern takes of, of Godzilla? I'll always watch it. Yeah, I I will never be able to dislike any of them fully. I think. Yeah, I even will, the modern take I like the least is is 1998, and even that I have even to have the yeah I have to give that the like corollary of like okay, but I like the animated series of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. obviously, could they could have done it right. I think as long as as long as Godzilla is doing his thing, I will like it. And even if he's kind of doing a different thing, I will like it. I just like seeing him in mood. I, I think that's the other thing too is like there's it's very difficult for me to disagree with it artistically because it still holds this place in my like developmental period as like the thing that anyone can do as long as you're bringing him to life. Like the more Godzilla movies, the better is right. actually my opinion. Totally. I think, I think it is that thing of like, you know, he's been around long enough. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know how they make like Batman movies where Batman is like a ninja mm-hmm. or they make him. And it's like, Oh, now he's fighting Cthulhu or whatever. And it's like, you can do that shit because Batman's been around for so long that nobody gives a fuck. Nobody's going to be like, this is actually unfaithful to Batman <laughs> because Batman has been around so long that that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, if you like Batman, it's also the more Batman, the better. Yeah, you exactly. Can't disagree it's with fun it. to see somebody come up with a weird idea about the thing you like, even if you don't like it. Yeah, it's fun to yeah. see somebody reimagine something or do a gritty reboot of something. Um, but yeah, I guess I want to segue here. I think we should finally talk about the eras, and I think maybe talk a little bit about each era. Um, and just how, how Godzilla has changed over time and, you know, significant representations of him and whatever, um, which there's, he get definitely, you know, starts to differ a lot more later than he does earlier. Yeah. But we've talked a lot about, um, the original Godzilla movie, Godzilla from 1954, which is the beginning of the first era. So the eras of Godzilla movies are the Showa era, the Heisei era, the millennium era and the Reiwa era. Um, and these are named after, except for the Millennium Era, they're named after the Japanese emperors that uh, were in, I guess you would say, in power uh, at the time. But it's not there, which in is position. also... Yeah, yeah, that's the name of eras in Japanese history as well. But the Godzilla emperor name eras don't exactly line up with the Japanese... With the Japanese cultural eras. Cultural yeah. eras. Like it's, they're called the same thing, but they have slightly different. So the Showa era is the first one, and that started with Godzilla in 1954 and it ended with terror of mechagodzilla which was in 1975 five yeah okay so yeah that's the show era and that's the first era um and then the heisei era uh began in i want to say what is that 1984 1984 return of godzilla and ends with godzilla versus destroya 95 95 and then the millennium era was um godzilla 2000 which came out in 1999 and it what did it, it end with final wars right yeah 2004 and then reiwa i guess technically only has one live action toho film yeah it all, yeah only has one live action japanese film with another one coming which i guess it's probably going to be a new to be era. this year or yeah. next year which is insane there's been no trailer and not even a title has been released yeah um but also you can technically count the anime movies under that right uh, which suck dick but we'll talk about them and also you can technically count the uh american ones under that but not really because they're not japanese right i would say that i would say that shin godzilla is the only reiwa film and i would also say i mean this is kind of a stupid argument to make but i would say that shin ultraman and shin kamen rider are also a part of the reiwa era and i think that the reiwa era is completely controlled by hideaki yeah i think that is i think that is if you want to 
characterize the Reiwa era as an era and not just as a movie. I think that's the only way you can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I would say also, like, there are subdivisions within the big, uh, like, flavor packs of Godzilla eras. And yeah. I, I would say that in the first era, you have the villain era, which is, like, the first three films, is or first four yeah. films. I is, mean, let's let's just go through them. Yeah. Even, like, I, yeah, I feel like also the eras are definitely more of, like, production blocks than anything else yeah but i will say that there are kind of cultural uh preferences for godzilla that change as as the movies move along but we should go through them one by one we should start with because we've we've beat the first one to death but we should talk about raids again yeah just briefly which i think is probably the most skippable and the least godzilla movie ever made totally yeah raids again is the basically the rushed into production um 1955 uh, the second black and white Godzilla movie out of two, people will say, oh, there's only one black and white Godzilla movie. There's actually two. Mm-hmm. And there was the second bad one that nobody cares about. The only Godzilla movie where Godzilla moves in fast motion instead of slow motion. Yeah, they accidentally, <laughs> they did it by accident. So the way that, yeah, the way that, that does slow he not motion... Look sl- does he not look huge when he's moving fast? No, he, uh, he I mean, it, it looks, looks like, like a cartoon. Dropped. It looks like a Three Stooges thing. Yeah, it looks stupid. It looks um, like Benny Hill. But the cam, the cam yeah. op cranked the film slowly because he thought that's how you did slow motion. Um, so obviously there were less frames of action because he was cranking it so slow. Yeah. But the director, who was not uh, Honda, was just some like Toho backlot I director. I think he was a second unit director. I feel like his name begins with an O. Um, I'm going to look it up. And also, interestingly, the first uh, Godzilla soundtrack to be composed by Masaru Sato who uh, went on to do a bunch of jazzy uh, scores for the movies directed by Jun Fukuda. It was directed by Motoyoshi Oda. was Godzilla Raids Again. And Godzilla Raids Again also, I mean, so what Godzilla Raids Again is remarkable for, despite being pretty much a, a bad and boring movie that's it's pretty the, shoddy. It's at the battle precedent. Yeah, this is a movie, the movie where Godzilla has an opponent. And the very first uh, kaiju that Godzilla ever fights is Anguirus. Which, um, is it also the first versus the first Toho versus film? God, maybe. Um, I mean, I think it might be. Yeah, because it, it came directly after Godzilla, and I don't think that they did kaiju stuff before Godzilla. Right, but I guess like I know they didn't do kaiju stuff before Godzilla, but weren't there some Tokusatsu monster movies before Godzilla? I mean, they did like there was no there wasn't. I feel like he was the first giant one, but there was right. shit like warning from space that was like aliens. Like there was like, and there they did all their, or no, even the human vapor and invisible man's films were after Godzilla. I think yeah. Godzilla really was the science fiction, like the tokusatsu, like breaking it pretty point. much is probably the first versus film of all time. Then like, it's probably the closest thing that you could pinpoint well, that. Well, so I think it's probably Frankenstein versus the Wolfman and shit like that. Yeah. May have well, that's, before, the, yeah, actually. that's where it gets interesting, I guess, because those have, those are, <laughs> Yeah, it's too it's too much to even like parse <laughs> what constitutes a versus film but um well i i do think it's it's not the first versus film because i do th- i would put the i would say that the universal monster mash like matchups yeah. are pretty much identical to what toho ends up doing you're right so i feel like that is the precedent there yeah um but yeah what's fun about Anguirus, I and i feel like yeah i want to even i want to mention this and i don't think we need to give it the full lip service we were talking about this a bunch but it's so it's so interesting that a bunch of four-legged kaiju in in um toho movies the way that they do this, the special effects are on their hands and knees mm-hmm. instead of being on 
all fours, like all the way all fours there just because of the way that you have to have somebody move inside a suit. They made them crawl like a baby on hands and knees unless they sometimes they used a method that was called the Dodongo method <laughs> that they used because <laughs> um, there's a monster in Ultraman called Dodongo and the Dodongo method is the um, the horse suit that you see in a in a funny cartoon. Oh, wow. That's the Dodongo method. That is so awesome. Um, that's really cool that that's what that's called. It's pretty funny. The Dodongo yeah. method. The Dodongo method. Which is what the they method. used for that's what they used for Kaiser Ghidorah, I think. And for Dodongo. <laughs> when, I, uh, when I was a kid, I had a bunch of uh, miniature Godzillas that were not posable that, uh, I don't know, they're just very fabulous little things that I love to play with. And I remember showing my dad the Angurus one with Angurus on his hands and knees clear as day. And I said, why did they do Angurus like this? It's so weird. And he said, that's how Angurus is. He's on his hands and knees. And I was like, my, I'm, I'm a way bigger G fan than my dad. I watch these movies way more often. How could, he, how could I have yeah. not noticed that Angurus is on his hands and knees? And then he was like, Pierce, I've told you this a million times. There's a person in that suit. <laughs> of course he's on his hands and knees. <laughs> but it is so crazy and creepy. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible. giant. It's, it's disgusting. A giant monster on its hands and knees yeah. is so horrible. And I really... That's something that I wanted to see really bad in Shin Ultraman. Yeah. Because um, a lot of Ultraman kaiju are like that, too. Um, and maybe eventually if they do some fucked up modern Gamera, they'll do that because they have a bunch of hands and knees guys in Gamera too. Right. But that is so ripe for some kind of fucked up Shin Godzilla style thing of like, oh, that is nasty and horrible. I don't want to see that. It's it, pathetic. It, it, it follows like the kind of like the, the anguish tortured monster thing. You yeah, know, there's something kind of sexual about it, too. There's something kind of depraved about like, yeah, just being on your hands and knees is a grown being, thing. Also, yeah, being on your hands and knees and getting your ass completely whooped. Getting yeah. just completely fucked up and barely <laughs> putting up a fight yeah. is so nasty. <laughs> I think they kind of never really stop. did it again. Also, I don't think Godzilla ever towed up, towed up with a with a no. Quadruped I think Angurus is, is the main quadruped in Godzilla. Yeah, and well, Baragon, but Baragon's always in multiple movie or yeah. multiple monsters. Yeah, I just feel like they must have thought it was so pathetic that Godzilla was basically like torturing. Yeah like sadistically massacring this like helpless thing. I also think, yeah, which also Whose makes roar me think sounds like a wine also. Oh yeah. yeah. Another thing I want, I want to put a pin. I want to come back to it. I want to keep going through these, but I do want to talk about Godzilla's roar yeah. after the, after we get through this. But, um, uh, roar is a saxophone, a broken saxophone being played into a fan. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's that's so sick. funny too that, yeah, that and this Mothra's is like, roar is angry. We're about to get into Mothra in two movies, but Mothra's roar is just sped up Angurus. So many of them are just different. They're just we're gonna speed this one up or slow it down. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and yeah. you're not gonna know the difference because you're five years old. <laughs> um, it's so funny too that this is the first verse. This is the thing that establishes the status quo for Godzilla and what a Godzilla movie is. And the fight between Godzilla Ang- and Anguirus is so minor. Even yeah. the people in the movie don't care about it. They're like, I guess there's an Anguirus now. <laughs> and then Godzilla kills him, and they're like, Well, I guess we have to deal with Godzilla, which is the thing we cared about all along. Right. Like it is so it's so clear that like, yeah, I guess this is what we do for the second one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, just a very shit out. similar monster to Godzilla. Also, just like I guess an ankylosaur is kind of an interesting idea for a monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. We uh, should have done Alien right away. That would have been so awesome. Aliens were yeah. in the zeitgeist. I don't know why they wouldn't have just gone Alien right. Another dinosaur? Yeah. Just seems stupid. A waste of opportunity. They're trying to do, yeah, they're just, they're still, I mean, this, it clearly was just, just uninspired. Yeah. Um, in every way. And I think it is that, because 
Yeah, then after this, we get a little bit more of an inspired prehistoric matchup, which mm-hmm. is King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. Um, to me, which is a top five uh, Godzilla movie. I think it probably has the best soundtrack of any Godzilla movie. It's my personal favorite soundtrack. And I also feel like it's the one that you should watch first if you get a choice, because I feel that the, the, does, yeah. the human... I mean, the story of King Kong, for better or worse, is uh, ten times the story that Godzilla is. Like, yeah. the the the... The lore of King Kong is probably 10 times more interesting than the lore of Godzilla's origin. And then, yeah, the the tragedy of King Kong is way more impressive than the tragedy of Godzilla. I just feel like King Kong is a way more well-rounded thing than Godzilla. And for Godzilla to just be there with King Kong elevates both of their stories. Like, it makes King Kong more impressive to put him against Godzilla, and it makes Godzilla more impressive to share a stage with King Kong. So I feel like everything about it is truly the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's a great I think it's also, they, all, it's they the, all rise from that. Totally. It's, it's the perfect, um, yeah, it's it's great, great fighting, too. I also think that Godzilla versus, or uh, King Kong versus Godzilla has um, my favorite, which this is a thing that, this is like the uh, the strata of autism, the one strata, like, below me just further into the depths is people who know all the suits and obsess over the different You're, suits. We're, we're both pretty close. I think well, I'm, I'm yeah. very close to that, but I'm just above that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't which know is, the names of them. Yeah, yeah. I don't, that's, that's I know my, some exact, of the yeah. names. I know yeah. I can generally tell by looking at them, but yeah, anyway, uh, in the early days, they bas- they basically remade the suits for every movie because yeah. I, I don't remember what they re- I think they literally just didn't care about holding on to shit as much. They also, the suits would rot. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they'd rot that quickly. I think yeah, they, they just, it was just like... The second suit, the the suit from Raids Again was uh, an augmented version of the first yeah. suit. But so uh, most of the early movies have completely different suits. And I do think that King Kong versus Godzilla, which the suit is... All the suits have different names, which is the the autism thing that me and Peace yeah. are talking about. Um, King Goji. King Goji is the King Kong versus Godzilla one. And I do think that is my all-time favorite Godzilla suit. It's so most great. Most reptilian. He, he looks is, like his an head alligator. Is, his head is flat and fucked up. His eyes are weird. He has big comic book hands. Mm-hmm. like he has big 90s like like demon hands and then there's the this claws. singular performance choice on the part of nakajima the suit actor for godzilla that never appears in another godzilla movie where he moves his arms back and forth like this as some kind of like display of dominance and i don't know if it's in the japanese language version but in the english language version which is the only uh version of the film that you can watch in high definition because the original toho prints of the uh, the Japanese version are pretty much lost media. So the universal print of Godzilla is the only pristine version of this film. Anyway, uh-huh. I think that in that, in the English language version, they added in a sound effect of bones, like, cracking <laughs> as Godzilla's doing this. Like, the, the sound of, like, a, a shoulder joint popping out of its socket. And it's like this does it, really... Does it come across as silly or, like, cool? It comes across as just like alien, like very strange and mysterious. I don't know why they put it in. It never happens again. And he does it constantly in the movie. He's like, I think maybe the Japanese version did not have the weird sound effect. um, And then it kind of maybe did just come across as like a silly, like, let's go, let's fight type thing. But by putting in that sound effect, it makes it like a weird, like, I don't know, like a tick. Like Godzilla is is neurotic. It's really, really frightening. It's yeah, it's just yeah, I don't yeah. know, it's just kind of cool. Real quick, also another thing I want to say about King Kong versus Godzilla is the octopus fight. Uh, King Kong just fights an octopus, a giant octopus, and they use three live octopi uh, for the shoot. Um, just putting an octopus on the miniature set and having him destroy like 
the tribal communities huts and stuff because he's trying to swim around um and then yeah just putting a fake octopus on the suit actor's face like wrapped in a bunch of gel uh and then the director ate two of the octopus. do you know about this he ate the two octopuses that they didn't kill on the set you know he was like this would be so cool if i did this yeah this is a story i will get to tell if this movie does well this is going straight on imdb trivia (laughs) that is kind of sick because you know it, it looks like it's a kraken and it just like now you eat it. Wow. Yeah. Yummy. Yeah. I'm eating that. I also think this does fully codify the the Godzilla formula for the next, you know, eight movies or ten movies or whatever. Totally. This is where Godzilla raids again. They were they were kind of not really sure what they were doing, and this were like this one. They're like, okay, we got it. I think I think to speak on that, I think uh, what's weird about Godzilla raids again is that uh, a lot of it takes place, or a lot of the action takes place on the coast in the water uh or on like an iceberg or something and i think that's when they kind of unlocked the idea of godzilla not only just trashing tokyo or an urban environment but like oh there's something equally compelling about him just being in a in a video game map like a like a yeah. an underwater level or an ice level and then i think mm-hmm. in king kong versus godzilla putting godzilla in a tropical environment or putting any monster in like an, a jungly or island environment is probably just as compelling as putting him in a in a city yeah. and i think that for the yeah for the rest of the show a series godzilla is going to make at least one appearance in like a sort of desolate or lush natural environment yeah this is also too because King Kong was also, you know, the huge inspiration for Godzilla even existing. Mm-hmm. It's very crazy that um, he fights King Kong in this third movie ever. Yeah. And then King Kong is like never seen again. Outside of his own little uh, yeah. one-off movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and I feel like that is kind of Godzilla triumphing over the King Kong influence. And this is him becoming his own thing. Yeah. King Kong is too easy uh, and not 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 heavy enough of a metaphor or an analogy it, yeah. it, it i think it gets too close to the heart of the situation which is that we are acting out a fantasy of being in charge of our own environment and the ape is it's just too real to say that this is a big man or i yeah. think yeah i think it's also crazy i feel like it's also like kind of like metatextually this is like yeah this is godzilla becoming the monster and not being the symbol anymore right because even in godzilla raids raids again which is obviously watered down and doesn't really have any of the immediacy or the the nuclear theming at all um godzilla is still like kind of this tragic monster that they're trying to bring down and like freeze or whatever and this is where this is where he fully makes the leap or he's like he's a he's a a fighter now he's a wrestler yeah um and he's gonna have matchups and yeah that's why he's fighting king kong because he's fighting this the thing that he came from. We were talking earlier about Godzilla's status as a nomad and like right. kind of his locomotion being the only way that he expresses free will. And I feel like pitting him against other monsters unlocks uh, the only other foundational part of his character, which is that he is looking for peers. He's looking for a peer group. He's looking for someone to share his experience with yeah. um, because he has nothing in common with obviously has nothing in common with urbanism. He's diametrically opposed to the project of urbanism, but that means that, yeah, he has a desire, which is to be around other monsters. And the only way he can have a dialogue with other monsters is to cooperate with them in a battle or to square up against them. Um, and that is like, 
it gives him like a loneliness. It gives him like a sort of, I, I don't know, like he's an extrovert. Like he has to interact with other beings mm-hmm. in a specific kind of way. Well, yeah, it's like, he's like, um, it's like a fucking, I mean, in real life, you know, it's like a shark where people, people hate sharks because sharks eat people and sharks eat people because a shark's only literally only way of interfacing with the world is by putting its mouth on something because right. it doesn't have hands and it doesn't, it doesn't have anything you know it all it has is a mouth and the mouth is what happens to kill things um but they're not always kill like you know predators aren't always eating mm-hmm. it if it wants to if it's curious about something it's going to put its mouth on something and that's going to hurt that thing and i think that's the same thing where you know godzilla yeah godzilla is is walking mm-hmm. because what else are you going to do you're yeah. going to walk and yeah. he mm-hmm. happened and the so humans have happened to covered the earth with their things that if you walk on them it's going to be very bad right but yeah what what concern of that is uh, what concern of godzilla's is that yeah you know yeah i guess uh i guess him him finding a, a sparring partner is uh is like the only upside of his experience um yeah i don't think he like i think a lot of people imagine that godzilla relishes destroying stuff but i think it's just frustration that he doesn't have an interlocutor i mean like he is he is literally alone on the planet there's yeah. nothing that is his size or anything approaching the way that he exists. until there is and then he's yeah. bu- and then he's completely overwhelmed with how many other fucking monsters yeah yeah and he can and i mean yeah we'll get into the the he's at this point in the in the era he is still a fully villain he's not he's not a good guy at all really yeah um but when he is a good guy, he can only be a good guy if, and he can only, or rather, not that he can only be a good guy, but he can only be friends with another monster if there is also another monster to be enemies at with that friend. Right. He can't just be friends with a guy. Like, if there's two monsters, they're fighting. Yeah. If there's three, there's a possibility that of maybe team he yeah. can team up. Mm-hmm. But he would never team up if it was him and someone else. Yeah, he would never team up with someone against human nature. Or yeah, yeah like exactly. That, yeah, yeah. It's even because that, human nature isn't even an enemy for him. It right. is just the thing he happens to be on Earth to squash. Yeah, um, and I guess uh, just moving on to Godzilla versus Mothra, the fourth movie. Uh, Actually, Mothra versus Godzilla. Mothra, or yeah, or Godzilla versus the thing um, is. Uh, is almost identical to Godzilla versus King Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla. It's a, it's like there is a, a, a entity that is interested in human affairs, but wants to kind of correct them. And then Godzilla representing just like, yeah, this sort of aimless, uh, evil or just kind of a dull mundane yeah. evil. Um, yeah. he kind of just wants to kill the thing that is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, it's very I really really like this one. I think this is kind of the this is maybe the Showa era one for me. Mm-hmm. Um I think this perfectly embodies the whimsy. Um I think it's like such a it's I think it's a perfect uh in between point between Godzilla being a goofy good guy um and being a a nuclear holocaust where he's still he's bad in this, but he's bad in a Showa rubber way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you end up watching this one, Kai? Did you tell him to watch this I one since it's one of your number ones? No, I didn't. I th- when I yeah. So backstory for the listeners: I I gave Kai homework. I assigned him a few ones to watch that I thought would like. 
I guess be like turning points in the conversation maybe. And I remember I said destroy all monsters and I remember I said Shin Godzilla. I think I can't mm-hmm. remember what the other one. I think I said return of Godzilla, but I don't think you ended up watching that one. Yeah, because um, it was hard to stream. Yeah, yeah it's very difficult. Um, and, to and, and, and then and then the original. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what it was because I was like, it truly is impossible to assign somebody like to like be like, here's the stuff you watch to understand Godzilla. I feel like well, mm-hmm. you sent me 16 and you put asterisks next to one <laughs> in each yeah, category <laughs> that, that were like especially potent that I forgot it. Yeah, that is what yeah. I did. I really think it's pretty much impossible to recommend to recommend. Yeah, because yeah. also there's so many of them are so different and I feel like more than any other movie franchise or series recommending a Godzilla movie is about knowing the person you are recommending to. Yeah. And like, yeah, which is Shin Godzilla was a very good recommendation. And I know we're not even close to talking about that, but but that one was, was awesome. And I can already tell very different from a lot of the other interpretations of Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that, uh, I mean, we could probably speed through because yeah, so many of the Showa can, movies... We definitely don't have to spend the time we've been spending. So many of the Showa movies are kind of identical from now on. Uh, I, I yeah. guess, like, Ghidra I mean, the Three-Headed I, Monster and, I think and that's Monster the, Zero, that is also a huge turning point because, it, like you're saying, it, it's, it gives Godzilla an opportunity to team up with someone against an actual extracurricular, extraterrestrial yeah. thing. This isn't an intramural It's not skirmish. an intramural scrimmage anymore. It's a... It's <laughs> yeah. a an actual yeah, and this threat is, and to, this is space too. Yeah, this is also. I mean, yeah, I think that if there's if there's any more in the show era that we're going to talk a lot about, it should be these at least for a moment, at least briefly. We should talk a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think that the yeah bringing space into it and aliens. I mean, this is also where the archetypical show a plot uh, shows up, which is that aliens have invaded earth but they're doing it with supposedly good intentions and they're tricking us mm-hmm. and they're saying they're saying something they're saying one thing but they're doing another thing and then humanity has to unite to defeat them and godzilla is also doesn't like things that come from space and Ghidra, the three-headed monster godzilla is teaming up with mothra and rodan rodan we haven't talked about but also just another monster just a pteranodon or another dinosaur rather so you have Anguirus, rodan and godzilla forming this and I guess Mothra too, to a lesser extent. But you think about the three dinosaurs and a bug. Of course, this is we're talking about prehistoric Earth life. So the things that are again uniting against the space monster. I'm just now realizing this, but it is like a rematch of the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Yeah, it literally it's all is because yeah. yeah, it's primordial Earth life trying to settle the score with uh, basically an asteroid that is coming to genocide it lit- the Earth. Dude, it's so fucking crazy because it's that and that like kind of that satisfies the dinosaur side of the Godzilla equation. But it's also it also is a new facet of the like geopolitics shit that Ishiro Honda has been doing since the beginning where he's like this is him almost like growing past the tragedy and being like this is about uniting against mm-hmm. a common threat. Um, this is about like humanity's power. Like there's suffering and we have suffered and war is horrible, but you know what? Like if I'm, I, I'm an idealist and I can imagine that if there is a, a race of space monsters that want to <laughs> annihilate us, that we will somehow that even like uh, the, the 
avatar of the atomic bomb will fight on our side against this threat to our existence. Right. And I think that that isn't, I also think that that isn't as idealistic as he feels like it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I get the sense that it's very, he's watching the, the, the space show movies that he's, he is very like trying to be very like, you know, like we're going to, we would fight back against aliens, whatever. But I think it also is really does. It is interesting that, um, there is there are no good aliens ever yeah. in Godzilla. They are it, something this, from outside is always evil. This actually is only tangentially related, but this that was like a common fantasy of mine when I was when I was a kid and we'd go on road trips and I would just be staring out um, for a long time. I my my go to fantasy was the idea that aliens would come and something innate would would happen to every creature. To just be like, oh, we gotta, we gotta all focus on that thing, and I mean, it would end with like, you know, me getting to ride a rhino or, or something. But <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> but pretty much like, the idea that something, something that external coming in would just like set a switch for everything that's from here to just focus on that, just like a, you know, a body rejecting a virus or whatever. Like, it's totally. it, like. It, it, I was. I always thought that that was like the coolest idea that could possibly happen. Is that all the animals in the world unite to fight an alien? It's it's a pro Gaia position. It's the idea that there is like a a, a Pandora uh, superstructure, a neo cybernetic uh, authority that can unite the entirety of Earth's biological catalog including everything yeah. from human technology to prehistoric life because it's all part of the earth story like it's it's i talk That's, about this a yeah. lot but like the idea that you can't have human beings arriving on the planet in the way that they did without everything going the exact way that it did 400 million years ago with the Precambrian explosion and the like the dinosaurs had to die exactly when they did in order for human beings to exist in the way that just talk about the butterfly effect and everything but that just means that the earth as an organizational body does have this like Kai riding on a rhino uh, <laughs> trap card in its deck. Like, yeah. there's no other because, yeah, like you can't have the Buddha, you can't have Christ, you can't have all the huge milestones in what we consider to be human development. Like, those are not just stories about human beings; those are Earth stories. And the only thing that actually codifies the Earth as a, a superstructure is an alien. That's the only, yeah. that's the only way. I, that's to, what the dude, it, that's, it gives us context and boundaries. Yeah. Not to go stray even further into the tangent, but that's what I, when I fucking hate when people are like, when people are talking about like, uh, pollution and global warming and extinctions and stuff and being like, and people like being like, yeah, people just can't imagine that like that we could kill life on earth and people be like, uh, yeah, l- we could like life on earth might end, but yeah, the earth will be okay. And it's like, what are you talking about? We're Earth. Yeah. Are you how stupid? Are, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You think that like it's this weird like fucking self-effacing like thing of like it's like it's it's yeah it's, it's a it's, genocidal it's, expression I think when people say that I think it's it's like w- it would be better if we like, cleansed like the weird, Earth like, of all of its nasty it's, life. It's weird smug thing of like yeah it's so fucking stupid of like you think because you're but you think because you're smart that you see yourself as above an animal and because of that you think that we should all be dead yeah it's just like such this it's yeah it's so crazy yeah 
I don't. It annoys me. It is like a pseudo. I mean, that is kind of say what you want about like religion, and I, I do think that Godzilla movies do have a religious perspective. But I think when you become a secular society, I do think that what what occupies that niche is yeah the fantasy that uh, human beings will be wiped out because not because we're sinful, but because we are actually more like dirt than than yeah. the dirt like like <laughs> like that dirt is actually clean and life is actually dirty instead of the other way around you know what i mean like yeah. uh, like the filth of when you go to the grand canyon you don't want to see bison like roaming around you want to you want to clean the grand canyon of all of its fur and and shit so that you can get a polished rock but I think that's what people are expressing when they say that Earth will be fine. It's like, yeah. actually, not only will the Earth finally be, uh, like, the Earth will be clean, finally. Like, yeah. we're actually, we're, th- this is how you be a steward of the environment, is that you get all the the critters off. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all, we yeah. We are it's the just, critters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well. Yeah, anyway. I do, I do think that the next the next few don't bear that much discussion. This is where these they are just these are the playing the hits after the kids, this. These are the kids goofy movies. Not to denigrate the idea of like kids movie. I guess it's just what what makes them less appealing to talk about is once you get to Ghidorah, everything from now on is just uh, basically a reinvention of the Godzilla paradigm. So you're getting mm-hmm. more Earth defenders, more aliens, uh, and yeah, more more like Godzilla yeah. against them, and then I mean, also do, more environmental analogies. Like obviously, you have Hetera and Megalon. He- Megalon and Hetera are pretty much the same character. Also, yeah, they are environmental. Responses. I do think. Yeah, I yeah. think that the for the most part, at least the early ones, the Jun Fukuda uh, movies are definitely weaker. Yeah. yeah, they're they're. I think that he hasn't figured out kind of a of a, a viewpoint the way that Ashiro Honda very clearly has a strong viewpoint that he brings to every movie that he makes. Yeah, I will say um, that the Fukuda movies what they what I really really like about them is that they do try to position Godzilla as a well-rounded character with with wants and quirks instead yeah. of uh like being kind of a castrated figure. I feel like Fukuda's Godzilla is kind of like sexual or at least like yeah, there's there's some virility happening in in Fukuda's uh, uh, take on the monsters. Yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of in terms of talking about Godzilla as a monster, I think the only things that we really need to cover in the remainder of the Showa era are, um, I mean, well, yeah, we should talk a little bit about Destroy All Monsters because I know Kai watched it, but also Mechagodzilla is also the Mechagodzilla is the big point, but yeah, Destroy All Monsters is interesting because it takes place in the future, um, which barely matters. Uh, I guess, like, if you want to talk about, like, the continuity in Godzilla movies, you kind of have to talk about how that technically is the last movie in the in the canon uh, uh-huh. of the Showa era. That's how it ends. Yeah. After Godzilla fights Mechagodzilla and Titanosaurus, he lives on Monster Island and they fight Ghidorah. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I think that D- Destroy All Monsters was a huge hit when I was a kid, but... Um, the uh, the final fight is dope, and uh, I yeah. really really like mind controlling all the monsters to uh, destroy Tokyo. And well, I guess they go go to all different cities across the planet. But I would say the number one most memorable scene in Destroy All Monsters is when they just line up. And they just start marching towards the fight. And there's like a radio announcer who's like, here comes baby yeah. Godzilla bringing up the rear. All right. And he's made it into the ring. Who we got here? Oh, it's Angurus. Angurus is yeah. looming behind baby Godzilla. What a, who else we got here? 
It is. I think it is Ishiro Honda kind of being like, okay, fine. Like, this is what you want. We're dropping the gauntlet. <laughs> Fuck yeah. it. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's wrestling, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's Ultraman now. Um, but it does. It does still just have that, like, that Honda power. You know, it's still, I think it is kind of the, the, one of the platonic ideals of a show and movie. It definitely was when I was a kid because just the sheer, I mean, yeah, I think also another tangent to go on about Godzilla and the Godzilla movies. I think one of the, the huge, most important parts, even almost maybe even more than the suits is the pyrotechnics. Yeah. Like the pyrotechnics in, are unbelievable in the Godzilla movies. It's it crazy. is insane what they're doing and destroy all monsters like is fully there that is like it's just fucking crazy ass explosions just blowing shit up um and it is it is so like it's so gaudy and garish to do that in the series that's about the atomic bomb and the suffering and your character's (laughs) skin is based on the radiation (laughs) scarring and it's like boom bang whoa pow wow and it's incredible how that yeah it really is everything about godzilla really is just straddling the divide mm-hmm. of pleasure and pain yeah yeah and i feel like it destroy the monsters is probably one of the least painful movies it's almost yeah. all like even the suffering is like you only know that the reason that godzilla is doing so, like the only reason that nasty stuff is happening to destroy all monsters is because the filmmakers are telling you this is not in their nature anymore it, yeah. it, monsters are good <laughs> we put them on an island and they get along and now now there's an evil entity an evil organization that is turning monsters evil as yeah. if we weren't convinced four <laughs> movies ago that monsters are inherently bad <laughs> <laughs> really quick 180 yeah i didn't yeah. have the contacts but i love the idea of monster island it's so yeah, fucking it's awesome. perfect that is yeah that is the other big thing about destroy all monsters is this is the invention of monster island yeah also the, which is such even, a cool like, concept it's also a perfect name yeah it's uh, yeah i guess it, monster land was uh, a brief mistranslation yeah. but monster island and yeah, it's, it's, fucking, it's, it's pre-Jurassic Park. Yeah. It is Jurassic Park. And it's so interesting also in Godzilla's Revenge, which is like the de facto kids movie, is that Monster Island in that movie is a child's fantasy of where the monsters live. Mm-hmm. And then in Destroy All Monsters, it's an actual adult technique to cordon off yeah. the monsters. And again, like again, talk about like straddling. Of course, a place where monsters live is the number one fantasy um like structure like oh this yeah. is this is the fantasy land where monsters play <laughs> yeah and it's like Pangea. yeah exactly right and then yeah just to have that also be a hard science fiction way to protect human beings from monsters to put them in a big zoo um when i was a kid also i had a uh, uh a children's book that was illustrated by bob eggleton um who's the big kaiju illustrator you might be familiar with bob eggleton your work is very similar to his kai you should look some at some of his oil paintings. I'm not familiar, but I I think that's already a very nice compliment. Um, you have this one monster that you that you have posted that uh, has smoke coming out of either corner of the mouth, like these big clouds of smoke, and that's like super Eggleton. Anyway, I met this guy at G Fest one time, and he illustrated cool. a few Godzilla picture books, and one of them was called Godzilla Likes to Roar, mm-hmm. and it was about Godzilla waking up on Monster Island and saying hi to Rodan and saying hi to Anguirus, yeah. and then going to bed at the bottom of the ocean. I used to read that all the time. It was so cool. Yeah, but I, that sounds sick. Yeah, I like the idea of them basically getting along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big part of. Uh, we can skip to Mechagodzilla, maybe. Yeah, but that's a big part of 
uh, I think Mech Godzilla versus Mech Godzilla is one of my favorites of the show, and I think it's um, Jun Fukuda's best movie. But the opening of that movie has uh, fake Godzilla, uh, which is Mecha Godzilla in a Godzilla suit, uh, unbelievable in a disguise, walking around, and then Anguirus comes yeah. up to say hi to him, and one of the protagonists is driving his car, and then sees Godzilla start to beat the shit out of Anguirus, <laughs> and he's driving, and he says. Godzilla fighting Angris? That doesn't make any sense. That's his friend. <laughs> Which is so funny because Angris is literally the creation of Angris is we need somebody for Godzilla to beat the shit out. Of. Yeah. That like, is the concept for Angris. Yeah. But he he should have said, but Godzilla was on his team in Godzilla versus Guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's his friend now. But yeah. they haven't done that for tens of years. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, dude, yeah, fucking Mecha Godzilla in the fake Godzilla suit is like that is like the most fraught, insane fucking thing. <laughs> like it's so God- conceptual. Godzilla, yeah, Godzilla being the fucking like not man-made, but like semi-man-made monster that is man that is a man in a suit and he's playing the man dinosaur that straddles the man dinosaur divide. (laughs) And then an uh, alien, alien, the aliens are apes, the aliens, (laughs) which are apes, uh, that, do they disguise themselves as humans too? Yeah, they're apes they're disguised apes as humans. Dra- and they're, they're aliens. They're, they're, ape, they're aliens that are apes that wear human skin, basically. Yeah. And they create, they see Godzilla and they create their robot ver- the robot version of the man dinosaur. And then they go, oh, wait, but people are going to know that this guy's evil. So we're going to put him in the suit that the man wears to become Godzilla. Our alien robot is going to wear the Godzilla suit. It's unbelievably complicated. And he's going to act like old Godzilla. He's going to act He's like Godzilla to, who God, hates yeah, Angerus. Because Godzilla now likes Angerus, but Godzilla <laughs> used to hate Angerus, so he's going to act, and that's why people are going to, so yeah, because maybe they got old information, maybe the, the radio waves from the Earth were <laughs> they, they weren't they, caught up they in like, the filmography. Oh, they're, yeah, they, were, they only got the second movie, and they're like, oh, Godzilla fights Angerus. That's what will convince them that this is Godzilla. <laughs> Oh my god! What's also crazy is that yeah, the fake Godzilla like walks into a power plant or something, and uh, Anguirus already chipped off some of his leathery fake armor so that you can see the the real titanium skin underneath. And Godzilla just comes out of a building in this movie. Do you remember this? Uh, Mechagodzilla, fake Mechagodzilla, or fake Godzilla walks up to a power plant, and then it kind of sparks, and then Godzilla just comes out of the building. <laughs> how was he in there? It doesn't make any sense at all. What was he doing in there? I don't know. I don't know how he got in there. He must have tunneled underneath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. It's, uh, yeah, what this is, a uh, Mechagodzilla is also cool because this is a Venom situation where I think Mechagodzilla is the icon. I, I would, I mean, Maybe besides like like Rodan and Mothra, maybe, but I do think Mechagodzilla is maybe the iconic Godzilla villain where people who know Godzilla will know Mechagodzilla for certain, basically. And he wasn't in it until, you know, 20 years. Right. He didn't exist. Like he. And also what's fun about Mechagodzilla is Mechagodzilla actually um, only exists because of America because uh, they made a King Kong there was a King Kong animated series um, that so Mechanic Kong mm-hmm. um, was based on an uh, an American King Kong and or it was like an American show that was like outsourced to Japan or something. But anyway, Mechanic Kong was an American creation originally. He was in a Kong cartoon, right? And 
he came, that was before Mechagodzilla, and that's where they got the idea for Mechagodzilla was from King Kong Escapes for Mechanicong. So yeah, if there was a robot Kong before there was back, a robot Godzilla. It, it traces back to like an uh, yeah an American company being like, wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, and then yeah. Japan was like, yeah, that would be crazy actually. Um, and we're gonna do it cooler than. <laughs> Yeah, like well, we our guy's do. gonna fire his hundred lasers and he has finger missiles. And his head can spin around. And his head can spin around really fast, <laughs> faster than you can even believe. King Caesar is also just King Kong. Like you have another just sort of earthbound, sort of Anunnaki type uh, yeah. deity. And then but Titanosaurus, he got, he got that song. Titanosaurus in the next movie. I always like bringing this up because Tino- Titanosaurus is just Godzilla without atomic breath. Everything about God, uh, Titanosaurus is identical to Godzilla. He's uh, a, a aquatic dinosaur with nuclear power um and he <laughs> he's controlled to be evil like they they pilot they use radio waves to make him evil but he's another indifferent lumbering fuck yeah. up yeah yeah and you know Godzilla, originally he was supposed to be two guys that turned into one guy it's so cool yeah they should have done that but it yeah. would have been too expensive all right, well, that's Showa. Let's, yeah. let's fucking Showa, burn. That's the end of Showa. Yeah. So, Heisei, we already talked about Return of Godzilla mostly. The only thing I want to say is that this Return of Godzilla um, in uh, 1984 is when basically this is like the quote-unquote back to the roots. This is we're putting this back in the real world. This is geopolitics. This is Russia. This is U.S. This is nuclear. Godzilla is here, and he is... And he's scary. And he's scary, and he's in pain, and there is stuff going on with America. Um, and we're leaving behind the goofiness and we're also leaving behind, uh, we're, we're, it's continuity now. This right. Is, this, this is, is a, one this is one long, this time. is one long story. Every movie is a direct sequel to the previous movie for the most part. I mean, Biolante is good, but I, I really, there's nothing to say about Biolante other no, than that. God, it's a really the, yeah. good movie. I mean, the hate, the Heisei era, really nothing advances at all in Godzilla lore Except until Space Godzilla trilogy. and Destroya, yeah. basically. Yeah, um, so there's basically, a- this is this the what the the only thing that Heisei really contributes to the Godzilla lore His besides new origin tale, military yeah. fetishism type shit. This is is a lot more uh, prominent, a lot more like a uh, big military stuff is going on. But the idea that God, of Godzilla fighting his clones mm-hmm. or fighting fighting things that his DNA has helped create, yeah. Um, I guess that's a good point is that uh, like Godzilla himself can be harnessed by a technological or military yeah. apparatus to create a better um, right. A, a it's Japanese almost back to the empire. oxygen destroyer idea of like this is he is a living weapon and by existing he is uh, people can can reverse engineer him and, and fuck shit up um, you, and it's dangerous for him to even exist. Yeah. Did you watch any things from this era Kai? No, I didn't. You know about, um, have you heard of Biollante or Space Godzilla? Like, these are, these are pretty rare Godzilla characters who are not in, like, the, the lexicon, like, like Mothra or Mechagodzilla is. Like, no. Biollante, I think, is one of the rarest. Yeah. Biollante is she, the plant. Yeah. The crazy she, cool plant. Yeah, and, like, made by Godzilla cells. Like, Godzilla, yeah, I guess is, like, this is the fallout argument to be made about like like Godzilla changes other the DNA of the organisms that he interfaces with and that um I think this is even less than the fallout this is like the 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 forbidden knowledge this is like the the Lovecraftian bomb where it's like just because one person knows this uh the world can end like this is yeah because even by Alante, it's not because Godzilla is um 
is existing that this is happening is because there is a mad science. It's because Dr. Shiragami or what I think it's Shiragami. Mm-hmm. It's because there is a guy who knows that Godzilla exists and sees his power and is willing to replicate it and has the knowledge to do so. Yeah. And that's like most of this stuff. Like even even space Godzilla, I don't think is directly like, don't they like launch his cells into space or something? Yeah, Isn't there's two it? explanations for how he came into being. One is that Mothra carried his cells out into outer space. And the other is that Biollante spat his cells out into outer space. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, I feel like it's like something that it's, it's the, yeah, it's the, the, the idea of something that by its very existence, just insists upon itself almost like it's like this that everything will eventually i mean it's it's yeah it's the thing that now that we've invented the nuclear bomb we will eventually all die because of a nuclear bomb it's it's that is there any comparable thing in fiction where some beast is is actually like creating progeny based off of like zero uh, carnal appetite like the progeny is happening as a result of its nature like it is secreting I think DNA that's a, I think that's a kind of common sci-fi theme but I would say it's less creature and it's more like I feel like it's like okay here's a funny thing I feel like it's the, the Transformers all spark yeah and Transformers 2007 I or think it's of it like, more of like or it's like it's like fucking like um, it's like annihilation like something I think it's usually like an object or a realm that is exerting influence outward yeah, because otherwise, I guess it does just become purely sexual. Like in Carpenter's The Thing, that's like progeny is being created through rape. And then in the Alien franchise, progeny is being created through rape. But like it's still this weird extraterrestrial version of rape. But there is no, there's no like intercourse happening with Godzilla's no, yeah, progeny. It's, it's, it's just also, existence. I think what's, what's kind of cool about that. First of all, it kind of it, it it falls in line because you know it isn't it isn't like as explicitly rape as like xenomorphs or whatever. It's it, it's just because Godzilla has so much gravity in his own right as a as a raw powerful thing that his his existence just exudes its itself outwards. It like I think I think that's like it's it's more like. It's more badass. It truly, yeah. I mean, just it is radiation. It's like sexual radiation. Yeah. It's like yeah. the idea that, um, and I guess that it also kind of is forbidden knowledge in a way. It also is like original sin. Is the the idea that you are you are you have original sin? Like Godzilla, yeah. Go- Godzilla doesn't have to cre- decide to create progeny. He's cursed to create progeny um, because of yeah, because of his raw power because he radiates power um and it infects and affects yeah and it's such a this is also i feel like such a, a subtextual thing that this is like i mean not not really i mean i guess they kind they it's pretty i guess it is pretty overt that this is what's going on well the, but, there's a but whole, this, yeah. this is one of the things that they come up with in the heisei series that has this is in every movie from now on basically right. this idea that by godzilla's existence there are people who are like like even the American ones there, there, the idea of Godzilla is that we're going to try to use him or mm-hmm. bend him to our will. Like he becomes almost from this point on, he's like a, he's a tool. Yeah. I, th- I guess the other thing about the high era, and now that we're talking about it, it's, it's, I never really considered it. I, I, I know that the high era has a, it ends with a trilogy about Godzilla's progeny. Godzilla has a, has a son, um, that starts out as a baby and then becomes a toddler. And then in the final movie is a teenager, 
Um, but the whole series is about Godzilla's progeny, not just his direct lineage where he creates a, a well, like yeah Godzilla isn't the Heisei era also all about the child of the original Godzilla I don't know if they ever say that I don't know I'm not I don't remember I think they do because I think they take the first one as canon so they say that the original Godzilla was killed by the oxygen destroyer and then this is just a, and then this is the the child of Godzilla I think this is I think it is I'm pretty sure that's Godzilla Jr. and Heisei could be yeah um Oh, wait, you mean in the Millennium series when... Oh, no, you're talking about in the Heisei series, it's yeah. supposed to be the show was progeny. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. I don't remember that because I've so. only seen The Return of Godzilla like twice and I don't really remember what they yeah, say I about also the I've only seen it like one or two times. But yeah, the, and then like they go into the the progeny of... Or that like... Yeah, I guess you have Biolante, you have Destroya, you have Space Godzilla, and then you have Godzilla Jr., all of them being created by the original Godzilla cells. It's just kind of crazy that I didn't consider that before, that it's, it's, it's all about Godzilla making more Godzillas. Yeah. And that, that must also, if that is metatextual, that must just be about how inspirational Godzilla was to all fiction, that you just start to see this Ur text appearing everywhere after he makes his big splash in the, in the first 11 years of his filmography is that like maybe the Japanese are commenting on like their massive worldwide influence. Yeah. It has warped media. Yeah. And reality. And then you also just think about the culture of like, you know, coming off of World War II and then like actually thinking that you were going to take over the world with the Axis powers and then seeing this symbol of your own suffering and your own nationality and your own, uh, like yeah your own ability to unify actually affect, like and then just seeing technology like from the japanese like the the post war economic miracle taking over the american economy and just americans basically becoming completely enraptured with japanese tech and japanese yeah. fiction and then just like oh wow well we made godzilla as a as a means of like asserting our own cultural perspective in a world where we were becoming silenced and now this godzilla uh, symbol has basically uh, outlived all of us instantly. It's already it's it's already yeah. more influential than our actual nation. This could is ever our be. export. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we just keep seeing it everywhere, and it's like, uh, yeah, I guess it is. Like Godzilla is dealing with that too. Godzilla is dealing with like seeing his own sort of uh, shadow, his own Jungian shadow in his environment. Like he used to have to fight aliens, and now he's just fighting his own shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere he looks, he just sees himself. Yeah. Kind of cool. Kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but the next one after Heisei is Millennium. But before Millennium, the reason that Millennium even happened, if the, if you trust, you know, every, I feel like all these, sto- I don't, I feel like all these stories are not true. Right. But that it was a response to the brother yeah. movie. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Fucking what's his name? Roland Emmerich, 1998 Godzilla. Uh, and this is the the Godzilla that we were talking about earlier, where this is kind of implied um, to be a uh, a mutated iguana. And this is also where I want to. Now that we're final, this is our first American Godzilla movie that we're mm-hmm. going to talk about. And I want to talk a little bit about which maybe this will also cause a, a jump forward a little bit. But um, what is also so insane about the American Godzilla movies is like uh, all of the American Godzilla movies kind of like reinforce that America is completely incapable of reckoning with the atomic bomb in any realistic term at all. They're completely 
unwilling and uninterested in, in engaging at all with any of the suffering that, that was caused like the fucking the, the 1998 Godzilla. It still has the nuclear testing stuff, but it says that France did it instead of America, which is the most absolutely insane thing you could pot. Like it's even like it's so crazy to put it on another country. Yeah. Like and to choose France is Emmerich American. I don't think he is. I don't think <sighs> is so. He Dutch. I, I don't remember. Um, yeah, but he, he definitely likes America a lot. Yeah, I will say <laughs> having seen his movies, he's um, but like, you know, yeah, he uh, he did Universal Soldier um, and that shit was about like that was like a pretty anti Vietnam. I feel like like it's not like he's like so jingoistic, right? Um, but there just is like it is so vast and insane that it it's yeah, it's so fucking nuts to be like, we're going to make a Godzilla movie and we're going to say that France did the <laughs> nuclear bomb. It's just test. easier. It's cleaner. It's yeah. It Let's sounds, get the monster it here. It sounds cooler. Yeah, it sounds cooler. Yeah, which is also like he's German. I just looked it up. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. But also, yeah, I mean, to to, to jump ahead just just for a, a second, like the the Godzilla 2014, um, they say they still have the the bikini. They they say the bikini atoll tests uh, awaken or they don't say it awaken Godzilla. They say that the the test that like Castle Castle Bravo test, the real life test that the shit is based on. Um, was and they were trying to kill Godzilla right. and that's why they blew up the bomb which is also crazy because that's also an excuse for this insane suffering. It's yeah. like oh yeah well, we relocated all these people and then we irradiated them anyway and we killed hundreds of people or whatever <laughs> but we yeah. were trying to kill Godzilla yeah. which already existed and wasn't it wasn't care, a problem wasn't a pro didn't care about nuclear bombs at all was not tied to nuclear bombs narratively right until we I guess tried to kill him with one and then found out that it makes him go super Saiyan yeah which is the thing that they went with in those movies but anyway yeah and he's from a time where the earth was more irradiated yeah and he brings so and his radiation actually makes plants grow and it makes things healthy well that is also i mean this is also a kind of a tangent but there is a, a guy named james lovelock who uh talks who's like one of the founders of the gaia theory which i referenced earlier but the idea that the earth is a self-regulating neo-cybernetic organism um he wrote about how uh the green movement has pretty much failed to advocate more for nuclear power and he's like yeah obviously nuclear power is scary because of meltdowns and stuff but if you think that um the occasional meltdown is worse than actively suffocating the world with carbon you're dreaming and he says literally go to the places where where catastrophic nuclear failures have occurred they are the most lush environments you can find on earth right now basically like you go to chernobyl and there are animals everywhere it's extremely green and he's like i personally think it would be better if a few animals suffered from uh shorter lifespans and uh mutations than if no animals could live on a desert planet like Mm -hmm. if we if we entirely switched to nuclear and suffered many weird ecosystem hiccups with like animals living horrible lives for five or six years eventually in the dna it will all get sorted out at least there's no microplastics like it's just you're you're augmenting biology but it's still pure biology Mm -hmm. it's a very weird perspective that i hadn't heard before i don't know if i agree with it but yeah yeah that is literally that's what the monsterverse movies are basically about yeah yeah but anyway godzilla 98 this is they take this is the most i would say divergent godzilla design this is uh they because they wanted to make him sleek 
They didn't like, they didn't want him to look Japanese. They wanted him to look American. They wanted to do something new and crazy and they made him into an anime iguana basically. Yeah. They went Jurassic Park. Yeah. They went full Jurassic Park. Um, and I, it's to the point where I don't even know if it's so worth even talking about because I don't think it really fits into the mythos at all besides being such a gross Americanization and complete like denial of what makes Godzilla Godzilla. It is the, it's, they, they call him in the in the Godzilla community. They call him Zilla yeah. um, as a means of uh, uh, taking away his status and saying that he's separate from Godzilla and that he doesn't yeah. have the deity. Factor. Which I don't even yeah I don't even care about that I just think that I I don't think it even holds that much value as discussion of Godzilla as a monster because it just the whole point of Godzilla ninety eight is that he doesn't mean anything right he's nothing he's he's Jurassic Park T Rex um, but the animated series uh, I do like the animated series that spun off of this I used to um, play the Game Boy games but I never watched the animated series it's I mean it's a kid series you'll watch it and you'll think this is a kid series but the monster designs are crazy they're completely insane they're the weirdest monster designs i've ever seen in a kid's show they're so bizarre yeah they and seem they're like they're out of, for that. out of culture it seems like whoever they're completely just, out yeah, yeah that's a great way to describe it they're completely out of step with any trend <laughs> at the time no kid who knew what was good for them on the schoolyard would ever watch that and be like this is cool <laughs> the designs are all just like weird and fucked up and crazy yeah they kind of look like the gamma trilogy monsters yeah um, um i'm looking at some of these now they're like they're disgusting. They're yeah, it's, so it's, fucking it's like weird. Lovecraft. It's really weird to put. And they that all on have TV. names like Crustaceous Rex and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> they have a monster named Gigan who just isn't Gigan, right? They also have, they have a uh, Cyber Godzilla instead of Mecha Godzilla. So whack. Um, talking about Godzilla 2000 real quick. I mean, this is like probably the biggest example of Godzilla fighting his own shadow, mm-hmm. and also the biggest example of a rematch between the dinosaur and the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs is for. Uh, the first half of this movie, Godzilla is fighting an asteroid. He's fighting a big floating rock that also was from the bottom of the ocean. And the big floating rock is acting very mysteriously. And then they find out that it is a floating rock from space. And then eventually he peels off the rocky skin from this, just like peeling the Godzilla skin off of fake Mechagodzilla to reveal a sleek metal uh, finish underneath and then the sleek metal uh, thing. So the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, as like an analogy, becomes the UFO. And we're basically saying these two things are one and the same. The, uh-huh. the genocidal asteroid and the, and, the, and the alien visitor are the same concept. And then also that concept is a Godzilla. That yeah. alien takes Godzilla's DNA and creates a new Godzilla, which itself is a combination of a UFO, an asteroid, Godzilla himself, yeah, which and technology. For all you, all you uh, people out there, I loved Nope too, but they did it. They weren't original. They stole it from Godzilla 2000. Godzilla 2000 was the first Nope. Yep. <laughs> it was the, they basically did Nope first. The UFO was actually the monster all along. I saw Godzilla 2000 in a drive-in movie theater um, with uh, with my dad, and I brought like a Godzilla action figure there, and I was just like playing my ass off with a bunch of other <laughs> Godzilla fan kids. And uh, yeah, Godzilla blows the alien's head off at the end. <laughs> like, I people were fucking shit faced, just yeah. cheering. It was Dude, so it's awesome. So no- yeah, this is also yeah, this is. Orga, who's the Godzilla clone, he also tries to swallow Godzilla whole, which is like, yeah, like <laughs> bad that, idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, not he has spines on his back, buddy. And in this movie, they're extra spiky. 
Um, but that is, that is literally, that is the, I feel like the literalization of the Godzilla clone thing is like we that your clones are trying to swallow you. They're trying to take you and eat you and digest you and be you. Yeah. And you have to end Godzilla. You have to fight them. <laughs> get in and Godzilla, there. you have to get in there and beat them. But that is the beginning of the millennium era. And the characterization of the millennium era is that there is no characterization. It's all alternate takes, basically. Yeah. All alternate weird stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, maybe not so worth talking about the different visions of Godzilla here besides maybe GMK. GMK is my favorite iteration of Godzilla. It's just purely evil Godzilla that... Uh, is the embodiment of all the souls that perished in the Pacific conflict. So all of the all of the Japanese soldiers who died in World War II live as ghosts in this one big entity, which is Godzilla. And it's the only real reestablishment of the Godzilla lore uh, that I think isn't uh, yeah, I think it I think it is just the only real retake. Full yeah, full reimagining. Yeah. Besides, um, um, I would say the anime trilogy, right. honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that Godzilla is Gaia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love GMK. That's a really good movie to start with if you're, if you're new to Godzilla, I yeah. think. Godzilla has white eyes. Very cool looking. He looks looking. very evil. Very cool. He's nasty in the movie. Um, yeah, they also I guess, tried to make a suit for that movie where he was uh, horizontal, but obviously they couldn't pull it off. They tried to make him like a T-Rex where he would walk head first and tail yeah. in the back as stable. That's so sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I guess the next thing after that is uh, is Godzilla 2014, which I think we just talk about the MonsterVerse very briefly because we basically already talked about the general gist of it, which is just that in these movies, radiation is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's mo- he's what's interesting here is uh, being able to take Godzilla as a force of nature. Um, and he is fully natural instead of Natty. being this kind of he's not a, he's yeah, he's not straddling the artificial and the natural anymore. He just is this is he is the natural world is actually nuclear all along in these movies is the point of this here. I think for sure. Yeah. Did you see this one in theaters or on DVD or anything? The Gareth Edwards no, one? Is, is this the one that had Brian Cranston? It has in it? Brian Cranston and yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, I really love this movie. Uh, yeah, I was very I think this movie it. is so, so good. I honestly genuinely think this might be in my top 10 Godzilla movies. The yeah, 2014. This is definitely a good watch, Kai. I also think that uh, all three of the current MonsterVerse movies, I think, are pretty watchable. I mean, I don't, I don't love the second one, but yeah, Godzilla I think versus- King of the Monsters is not good, but it's fun. Yeah, for Godzilla the most versus part. Kong, I did see, and it was awesome. It's so I fucking love good, that, man. I love that movie. I, they did such a good job, and I'm so excited for Adam Wingard to do the next one. I'm so yeah, glad dude. they gave him another one instead of just switching it's, it yeah, up switching again. Switching it again. He he fucking killed it yeah godzilla versus kong is fucking amazing and probably my favorite character like probably the most characterized that godzilla has ever yeah. been they fought yeah they finally let him be fully a guy a, 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 guy, a guy villain a fully heel like he yeah. is so he i love when he crawls on all fours when he Ugh. smiles and it, it is full autistic chills every time yeah, i get the shivers i yeah scarlet told you this but i saw this movie with scarlet and my mom and my dad uh i i got stoned and uh we were just sitting my dad and i were next to each other and we both do this autistic like stimming thing where we put our we just kind of like rub we like self-soothe 
And we were both just sitting back. And once Godzilla showed up, there's one shot of him in the water where his eyes are glowing blue and he just screams in the water for, for no reason. And my dad and I are both rubbing each other and we look at each other laughing. <laughs> and I just say to him, he's so fucking pissed off. <laughs> but it's so cool because Godzilla never gets pissed anymore. So they yeah. just made him so angry. They made him so nasty. They really, yeah. they really know what they're doing yeah. with him. They, they are, they're, I think, fans of the past shit. In yeah, a way that's very also, apparent. I, with, without all of the history that you guys have with it, I you know I love to see him hesitantly look to King King Kong and for, forge an alliance. I was yeah. like, uh oh, yeah, Mega Godzilla, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. You, it, it, God damn, it kind of speaks for itself too, right? Like like you don't even have to know, you just know how powerful Godzilla is, and if he ma- if he makes an alliance, it's, it's just over. because he thinks it would be cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just giving everyone what yeah, he they doesn't want. need to. It he killed Kong. He literally already fully killed Kong. Yeah, Kong came back to life because humans helped him. Right, and he's like, all right, fuck it, whatever. I guess you can <laughs> chill with me for a minute. This is. Okay, this is a brief tangent, but just when that movie came out, I, I saw it like not like I saw it in theaters, and Cameron and Cameron and I were talking about it, obviously, and he had such a funny observation just that I want to bring up. But Kong is like friends with a little a little girl in it, uh-huh. and Cameron was saying that was like being friends with an aunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what like, the re- that actually wasn't my observation. That was my dad's. I watched that movie with my dad, yeah. and what he said to me specifically the scene where the little like. They're trying to get Kong to go into the hole in Antarctica to go to Hollow Home, Earth, yeah. and the and the the little girl like does a sign language to to Kong, and so they make her say, "Your family might be in that hole." So <laughs> my dad like turned to me and was like, "Imagine if you if you were standing at a hole and an ant turned to you and told you your family could be in that hole, would you go in the hole?" <laughs> a little ant, a little ant. Your family might be in there. Maybe. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, fine. I guess I'll jump and swing into this hole. <laughs> I'd love to befriend an ant. That would be so funny. Yeah. Uh, but I, they, they that, I like they did make the the kaiju like a lot bigger in the newer movies. So like they like now it's just like fully like ant human relationship size wise. Yeah. Like they're they're, yeah. they're like they're massive. Yeah. It is crazy. The I, the size creep. <laughs> Size creep. They creep. Their size creeps creeping up. Oh yeah, yeah. It's growing. The gigantist creep. The creep, and also their creeps. Their yeah. monster creeps. Creepy creatures. But I think in interest of of time, um, maybe we. I think we skipped to Shin Godzilla because we do have to have. We do have to talk about Shin Godzilla. Dude, people will be I, so upset if we don't talk yeah, about Shin. God, oh my God. So um, I did see that one. And it did was you watch awesome. it recently? So like in the last, I, I, like I like a two weeks ago, week ago. Yeah, I mean, mind-blowingly good film. Like, yeah, the pacing threw me off guard. It was so, it was so, it was just bam, bam, bam. Yeah, but um, it was awesome. I also, I really liked the design of him, just like of Godzilla, just like pouring blood. Yeah, like an eel, like a asphyxiating eel. It's just so smart to do that. Yeah, yeah, it it really is the 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 new take on godzilla i mean it is there will never be I, a, I, yeah yeah i i i I, li- I like that movie a lot but i like it i i mean i have the disease where i like it less because i see the way that people who don't know anything about godzilla talk about it and it makes me irritated when i went to go see godzilla 2014 in theaters and I, there were just so many people in the audience i wanted to be happy but i was like it should just be me in here like none of you know this guy like me i i, I just, can't yeah. stand that there are other people here about to be turned on to godzilla i just 
first I just time. can't stand when people watch Shin Godzilla and go, holy fuck, they made Godzilla scary. Yeah. That shit, like, that's like the perfectly, uh, perfect it's thing f- to get under my skin. 100%. It's perfectly formulated. Yeah, that is a mandatory candidate sentence for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, but it is it's incredible. I mean, they yeah, I think I tweeted once like that picture of all the guys in the the MAGA avies like with the who take the pictures in their cars with the sunglasses and they all look yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, the same. Yeah. yeah. And then and them saying, have you seen Shin Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> People were like, I don't actually think this meme works. I don't think this kind of person would say that. Because it's completely she, true. Yeah, it's 100 <laughs> percent true. But that movie uh, fucking owns and I feel the same way. I think that like. Uh, well, this is the other thing, too, is I showed my dad that movie for the first time, and he said, I don't like it. There's too much, like, oh, we can't pull the trigger, and all the bureaucracy. I was like, Dad, Jesus Christ, that's the whole point. That's why it's so yeah. awesome. It is a movie that's less fun to watch the more you watch it, because yeah. the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, that's the point. Right. And then the second time you watch it, like, okay, I know the point, and I want to see more I of I want to see guy. lasers come out of his I back. I think it is. I also do have a grudge against that movie for building a fucking animatronic that looks fire as hell and not, and not using, using it, it at all. Yeah. It, it, they built an incredible animatronic, and then it's fully CGI. It's just, it's it's bullshit. Um, and I also I really wish they kept that deleted scene in where if people oh, yeah, who the, haven't the seen spine. this. Yeah, basically there's a, a scene where a bunch of Godzilla's flat, like Godzilla gets hit by some shit and a bunch of flesh uh falls down like a bunch of flesh bits fall down and they, there's this like team of like this like SWAT type team that goes in where this he's kind of bled and, and fleshed onto this building and the flesh all has like eyes and teeth and it's like looking around um oh, which what? again Why? like that it's it, it's so sick and it's also yeah that is that's the that is the modern Godzilla that is he he propagates yeah that's a scary it's, thing it's, it's purely I mean yeah this is where it comes to full circle is that is the John Carpenter's the thing where Kurt Russell says every part of this thing is a whole uh, and that's exact it's 100% the concept that they went with, that they went with with Shin Godzilla is that yeah. every part of him is a whole which is yeah it's also I mean Hideaki Anno, he is so he's so thoughtful about this type of thing and that is 100% I think drawn from you know it 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 feel I think that's part of the thing is like if to someone who maybe is not so familiar with the history behind it this feels like an, an insane novel concept but this is actually the thing that has been building in Godzilla since the 80s right uh, I mean even to, uh, since honestly since Mecha Godzilla this is the concept of Godzilla has been perverted and he is propagating and mm-hmm. that is uh, like yeah it's it's so we accidentally threaded. gave the children's movie star uh a a desire we accidentally yeah yeah, endowed him with need yeah Uh, i mean it's it's hard to say too much about shin godzilla because i do think more than any other aspect of godzilla it has been done to death i think everybody has talked about it in one way or another and he's cool and he's sick and i i i do hope that they somehow make a sequel and figure out how to do it um and make it good they I, probably will I don't not, yeah. I don't think that they will. Um it would be cool. I would love it. I would love a Shin King, King Ghidorah. Um Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, the only thing left to talk about is the anime trilogy uh movies wise, which is they basically the idea is that Godzilla it's in the future and there's space and Godzilla is a is a a tree. Oh, and I guess singular point, which I don't even care about at all. I don't care about it either. I don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, I guess the last thing I want, I really, I, maybe final, final closing thoughts here. 
Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the about the roar because um, oh, I yeah. think the roar is one of the most iconic parts of Godzilla. We didn't even um, really touch on the music either. But yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we can we can do the last few topics here. <laughs> but uh, I don't even I, there's nothing to say about the music other than that. To me, it's like the most affecting fucking thing in the world. It's incredible. I just love it. It's it's incredible music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the roar was created uh, with a, a a dusty glove on an old bass instrument, right? A harp type instrument. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the instrument, but yes, um, some type of fucking instrument. You should some type of fucking instrument. If you've made it this far in the podcast, I would recommend looking up the raw materials for uh, the monster roars, which is there. They, they recorded and saved the sessions where they were just fucking with these instruments to try to get it uh, correct. And you can hear, I think also the original Godzilla soundtrack just opens with three different takes of actually sliding the glove, not not processed at all by a mixer, just the raw audio material of sliding the glove. Um, and it's very, very cool. And Godzilla's yeah. roar has never sounded like that since. It's always, it's been, always a, been a little a pitched up, more sort of vocal screech, but it used to sound completely alien. Yeah. What also is so great about the roar is I read this somewhere and I can't remember where, um, that it is it's the two syllable roar mm-hmm. where the first syllable is the monster and the second syllable is the pained human yeah the moan yeah, yeah where it's yeah yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's both at once it is he it's straddling it's straddling i guess uh yeah the one one very very funny thing about the roar is that uh late showa movies like in the somehow for some reason in the mixing booth every time godzilla the suit actors uh, opens the Godzilla mouth, which I think there's some kind of system with the chin that you're able to open Godzilla's mouth, or maybe it's even remote operated. The way that the actual motor mechanism. I think opens later Godzilla's on it was remote, mouth. but I think there. Yeah. Um, anyway, when they were in the cutting room, they would look at every time Godzilla's mouth opened during a fight, and they were like, "Put a roar in. Put just the first <laughs> two seconds of the roar in." And so. Yeah. For like maybe five or six Godzilla movies in the late sixties, he's just running around and screaming every fucking two seconds. He's yeah. going, eh, eh. yeah. It's unbelievably annoying, but it's, it's so, so cool. It is so cool. He I do love up. cutting off the first the first part of it. Yeah. It's so great. Um, uh, I really have no closing thoughts. I think I spent myself, but I, I'm very definitely. curious, Kai, to hear like what you gleaned from this autistic. Uh, screeching match well i mean i think the 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 biggest thing is so i before this episode i like my girlfriend called me to ask how my weekend was um because i was i was in wisconsin i was like good and then i i told her that i was about to record this and i was she was like how are you guys get like how are you guys gonna talk about godzilla for for that long like and and i was like well there's like there's been like a bunch of movies and she's like how have there been a bunch of movies isn't it kind of just like like why would you need to make more than one and um and and i i was like i don't know i I, I, I was like i I think that basically the idea is that people just take different like she's like how does the story progress for that for that many movies and i was like it's like different people taking different takes on this core concept and she's like huh but wouldn't you kind of just get it done in in one of them and oh my god and um I think the biggest thing that I gleaned is basically that the answer to that is no. You're wrong and stupid for thinking for thinking that you could possibly do it in one. Um, but you can. But I think they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> I do but, think they're chasing the high forever. Yeah. Yeah, but well, no. I I, I guess I uh, 
I think that Godzilla is a very, very, very solid concept in general, clearly. And I also think the thing that's cool about Godzilla is because it's just, it's a very simple thing. It's just, what if a dinosaur was too big? What if a, dr- a dragon that breathed fire was scary? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And like, there's so much cultural depth behind it that like it's it's like it's crazy to to hear that being on to be unpacked like i you know i i've i've been thinking about godzilla a little bit more lately because i've been watching the movies and doing like a little bit of research and also also i just made the connection that godzilla is somehow related to the to the nuclear bombs like last year i like right. before that i didn't even consider that i was just like I, yeah, I remember i remember telling you that and i i remember kind of having a, a mini crisis to be like wait are you serious wait are you telling a joke right now i was like <laughs> no and, and, and i was just like whoa that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah but like i it's, he's, it's just a he's a much more layered complicated symbol than like you could take at face value like my my wonderful girlfriend just like big monster um yeah, I but guess he is also big monster though. Yeah, that's my but favorite he, part about him. Yeah. Yeah. Big monster. Yeah, he has big monster best. energy. I, I that's my favorite version of Godzilla is the one that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. The I think the I think the 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 final word on Godzilla is he's both. He about, both. And about anything two things. I mean, I think yeah, I guess the, the Yeah, my, is he a monster or is he not? He's both. He both. Yeah. Um I think my yeah, my closing thought that I want to leave it with is I feel like I think that Godzilla is the most important monster that has ever been created. I think he is the modern monster for the rest of time. The way that uh the way that Frankenstein and Dracula became the monsters, um you know, because the they these this is when back in the day when people are are scared because they just learned that maybe evolution is a thing and oh my god what if god isn't real and oh the industrial revolution is happening and and what the fuck is going on and and all this shit so we're going to create this and so this this is going to resonate with us right now um and this is frankenstein and you know a hundred years later or whatever um we don't care so much about frankenstein anymore because we don't care all that much about uh the industrial revolution really Um, and we don't really care about evolution we don't really care whether there's a god or not but we will always forever have to care about the nuclear bomb period yeah we always always will it will never go away it's impossible for it to go away um and i think that that's why he godzilla is like where where Frankenstein and Dracula and such are like the the uh, the quintessential Victorian monsters where these define an era that began and ended. Uh, Godzilla defines an era that began um, and, and will it, never yeah. end. That's a very well, good it is the if, last if, era. We are in the Holocene extinction and that is all there is. If this era ends, it's very bad. Yeah. If, it, if, if this era ends, if, Godzilla shows up. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the only way this era ends. Yeah. That is how. Yeah. Um, and that is why I, I mean, and of course that there's also the, I mean, I just love Godzilla because I loved him as a kid and I think it's beautiful and fun and, and whimsical, but I do think in terms of real world life and cultural impact and, um, and actual real world stuff, I do think he is the thing that matters and he encompasses how we are living our lives today. And the truth is you don't need to watch any of the movies to appreciate that. You just, you just need to look it. at a picture yeah. of him. And you will understand. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, wow, that's cool. Yeah. He's the king. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the one that stuck with me the most was Godzilla versus Kong. And it's just yeah. Because I, I, you do see him and you go, wow. Yeah. That movie's fucking sick, man. Well. 
Cheers. Yeah, thank you, Pierce, Cheers. for joining us. I love you yeah, guys. Pierce, thank, thank you for you. for having it me was, on. It was an absolute pleasure. was quite an episode you're right kai and if you want to hear the next one you're gonna to have to vote or else it's not gonna happen because the next episode in monster crazy see you in hell is an audience pick that means that you pick the monster and the way that we're gonna do this is we're gonna do it in the discord so if you're not already in the discord uh you should join it um for what little is left uh the link is on we'll put it on the link on twitter it's already there but we'll put it on again um, and the way we're doing it uh, that I've set up, uh, the voting has already started, in fact, uh, in the channel Monster Mail on the Discord, uh, you can either send a monster that you want us to cover, or you can add an emote to one that's already sent, or you can do both. Uh, but whatever monster in that channel, by some future date that we haven't decided, has the most uh, Japanese underscore ogre reacts, will be the monster for the next episode and we will do an episode on it and that will be one of the final five so slither don't walk to the discord and start getting your votes in because we want to get this shit done with we're bored yeah we're bored as shit so sharpen your claws sharpen your fangs and take a bite of your your obligation as a monster crazy listener and vote yeah well uncle monster needs you (laughs) And if you got to the if you got this far on the episode, my credit card number ends in seven. Mm-hmm. And zero before that, and one before that, and yeah. four well, before okay. that. Well, okay, we don't have and we the- can save that for some of the other episodes. Um but you know, thanks for listening. We love the Monster Crazy fans. You guys have been great. And uh it's time to give back by letting you choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. See you next time on okay. Audience Choice. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Four episodes remain.